Remember, you're the host. So when that guy says, here's your host, that's when you speak up, Grant. <laughs> All right, here we go, guys. We are now live. Hi. Oh, share system sound. Can't hear it. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. Hello, day. I am Grant Leedy. I'm here hosting on behalf of Stevie. Stevie's taking a uh, halfway day off. So I am uh, going to be filling in for him for the duration of the show, but he is still here with us today. How's everybody doing? Yay. Good. Yay. Yep. Right. Although I'm curious, Grant, you We're said here. that today you're Grant Leedy. So what are you on other days? Greg. Uh, Greg, <laughs> okay. you know. Or... Just checking. <laughs> Greg Brady. Meow. <laughs> who, who is that shaggy yeah. guy in the red shirt on the screen there? There's a whole row of them in the middle. I don't know which one you're talking <laughs> about. Which one? Uh, yeah. The red shirt row. <laughs> That's our theme, a red shirt row. If you're on Star Trek, we'd be digging graves here right now. <laughs> All right. Well, today we have a panel here. It's like it's growing a little bit. Hey, Brian, how you doing? <laughs> that good. Ah, must be muted. <laughs> All right, Stevie. Oh, how I'm doing, doing just today, fine uh, today. I'm Greg. <laughs> <laughs> And we got Curtis here today. I'm tired. Today, uh, work's starting to run me down, but uh, we'll make it through. What four. time did you go to bed last Four this morning. Oh, that's 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 nothing. I used to do that all the time in college, but I used to sleep until like two or three in the <laughs> afternoon, though. <laughs> He's not in college. Hey, Ron, how you We're doing today? We're doing good out here in Arizona. It's always hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> you wake up hot. Yeah. Although we do have AC. <laughs> All right, and we have Coco Man. Jason, how you doing? Ah, you doing, today? doing, doing well. I, I am here. Well, I'm inside my van at the moment because it's raining outside. But I'm here at Jefferson Lake State Park. We're doing a little ham radio thing called the Ohio State Parks on the Air, and uh, as I like to call, live from the edge of the internet. This is about as far as my cell signal goes. If I walk towards the pavilion we're set up, and it's it, that's beyond the edge of the internet. There's nothing there. Ah, yeah. You're a little sideline too, a little bit there, a little, just a little bit. All right. Well, thanks, Jason. David, how you doing today? You're two times, two times in two weeks now. Oh, no, I'm doing fine so far. That's good. You are you from uh, McDonald's or where are you from today? Um, from a house where I'm dog sitting. <laughs> from an undisclosed location. There he is, gone to the dogs. What's that collection behind you? Witness protection. <laughs> and then we have Mark. Mark Overholzer. How are you hope. doing today? I'm here. How's the weather out there in Cloudy. Oregon? Cloudy. Might, might be going to rain. And that's good because it really hasn't rained like maybe once in the last 65 days. Yeah, that's good. Good. And then we got Brian. Brian, how are you doing today? Very good. How are you all doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. And then from down under, we have Nick. Hey, not too bad. Nick? Still upside down, but yeah, it's all right. All good. <laughs> Hanging around like a bat. Hanging around like a bat, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, 
we're kind of going to free flow this show today. Um, Stevie, do you want to take this over now? With oh, I don't know if anybody has any project updates or acquisitions they want to go through first. Um, I do. Go ahead. Okay, far away. Uh, oh, I, ahead, I just uh, I just uh, received the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, Coco Three RGB to uh, S Video uh, unit and installed it from. Uh, from uh, Ed Snyder, and uh, I'm quite impressed. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, really nice. It's going to be great for uh, my video capturing uh, needs. And it yeah, was, uh, did have to make a one minor modification to my Coco Three, but I believe that had to do with the uh, timing issues with the 86 Gimme. But I, it was very it, for me. It was very simple. I clipped uh, clipped the ends of two resistors and added a added a wire. Uh, to the 1010 on the RGB port, so but it was it was it was fairly easy, and uh, I am fairly impressed. And if I looked at my tracking today, I should have my uh, I should have my boys in tech two meg upgrade uh, today also. But, uh, not home to see that. Yeah. Nice, nice supporting the community. Cool. Get ready to ship that off to Jim Brain for warranty <laughs> repairs. Well, I have to try to install it first before I can get warranty. <laughs> thanks a lot jason hey nick uh you had oh yeah i've just well? been doing some more work on my gunstar game and it's uh, at a point where now i'm uh, preparing to uh update uh for the next uh, do an update for the next uh blog entry uh to explain what i've done um i think last week i showed it doing the title pages and the high score pages so i've got all that working added some more sound effects so uh, I'll probably won't show it today. I'll leave it as a surprise for when um, when the blog entry comes up, so people can see it there. But yeah, a fair bit of progress uh, this week on that. Stay tuned. Stay Excellent. tuned. Cool. Excellent. So it seems like there's cool, going to be cool. a few program, a few new games coming out over the next, uh, within the next year. We got Paul Thayer and we got uh, Hugo all working on some great looking games. So, yeah, interesting. Don't forget Stevie's, which I'm sure he's going to update us. Oh on. yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll yeah, see. It's, it's, not about great, it's not a great looking game, but it's a game. <laughs> no, it's a game. It's a good example of what people um, can do. You know, people who are not say programmers. Um, just goes to show you don't have to write a commercial game. I mean, look at what Steve's done. I mean, that's that's quite good, showing what can be done uh, in basic even. So hopefully yeah, that'll he's got encourage. Levels. He's got music in it now. He's just cranking it along. Two-layer graphics, the works. Two layers, you name it. Pushing <laughs> <laughs> the envelope on the Coco 3. <laughs> basic. Uh, Paul Fitzgerald. How's that creep? How's the creature uh the creature, what do you guys call that creature? Feature, 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 feature creep. creep. Yeah. Feature creature feet. How's that coming along? I like, on I like your creature name? feet better. Yeah, I like creature feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to creep in as many features as I can, one one feature at a time. Just add a add a thing, tweak a thing, add a thing. So break break you, something else. Break something. You're unveiling it at some show to, uh, this weekend, aren't you? Or? Well, I was hoping to, but uh, I, I'm not able to make it now to VCF, so I, I won't be able uh. to. So maybe Tandy Assembly. Do you, do you have a representative that can show it off? Because mm, there's some no. other couple people going, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just the whole thing. And now, uh, I mean, I could, but uh, there there's, there's a waiting list for tables. So since I can't make it, it's kind of selfish for me to log oh, a table that. that I'm not 
able to be. So I'm going to let them know to make my table available. So, um, yeah, so it's just going to have to, so the, the public unveiling is going to probably have to wait now until uh, Tandy assembly. Okay. Cause I thought you did an update on Facebook today that you had some yeah. extra splash yeah. screen stuff and you showed some of the music stuff you added in. Yep. 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 Yeah. I'm going to keep working on it. I mean, I was going towards a goal to have as many things, as many features thrown in to present to the public, but, um, I, it's not going to stop me from continuing to work on it, you know? Cool. Yep, 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 yep. Are you uh, releasing that to, uh, for beta? Uh, I mean, I can, if somebody wants a copy, just let me know. I'll give you a copy of the disk image. When when I, when I feel that it's done, I'm going to... I would. Well, I've given you one in the past, but yeah, I'll put another one in there. But um, when I feel I it's done, one. when I feel it's done, it will be on the website. I'll have a disk image that anybody can download. I, I am not planning on selling this version. Um, it'll just you can be throw out. it in free with a t-shirt or a coffee cup. Yeah, no, I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out there as a disk image and people can download it. And like, if somebody wants to um, PayPal me or something, they can, but that's kind of like on, like kind of like what Paul Thayer did. You know, it's like, you can have it for free or if you want to send me money, you can. Um, I actually had a couple ideas if, if I was going to be able to make it to VCF. I, I was going to make some floppies for the Tandy. Well, actually, I already have. I've made the floppies. I was going to put labels on the floppies and put them in baggies and stuff and have some of the MS-DOS ones to sell as a novelty item. Um, so maybe I can do that at Tandy Assembly, and then I'll have the Tandy version for the Tandy 1000. Maybe by then I'll have a Coco version, too, that can be like on an SD card and on a physical floppy type thing, you know, for somebody who wants to buy a collectible on it. Um, so just to, you know, pay for the packaging, but I'm not selling the... Uh, software uh christopher peterson is here yeah he he mentioned in the past that he rewrote uh, a version of oregon trail um yeah th hey th thanks for showing up there christopher and um he actually think he put a link to it a github link on one of my recent videos and so be yeah, if you i don't know that you're going to be able to post a link in here though chris uh actually chris what i'm going to do is i'm going to make you a temporary moderator where you can do that um so, yeah, Christopher, if you want to post your link, go ahead and do that. I'd be interested in seeing that because that's a classic game from the Apple II. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, hey, Chris, and who else is in the live chat right now? We got Ken Reichard, we got Mark Overholzer, Curtis Boyle, Kyle Eater, uh, Rob Inman, Davey Mitchell, Tim Franklin's here, uh, Steve Powell is here, Chris Peterson is here. Yep. So yeah, so that was my project update as I released a video today of um, of the latest version of that game. So, and what's your going, what's your overall plan? Are you still planning to move this over oh, yeah. to assembly language? Oh yeah, in a yeah. Few I have, I have, if you visit cosmicaliens.com, I've got a blog post telling you what all my plans are. So <laughs> I got lots of plans, but yeah, an assembly language version, a um, you know, Coco 3 version to take advantage of better graphics. I want to take advantage of sound hardware. Um, you name it, but I, it's all going to be baby steps. But yeah. So all you got the, the full long term plans on there? Yeah. Yeah. My plans are on the blog. There's a blog post. Putting your retirement on a yacht when you get all the royalties from it? Yeah. Then? Yeah. When I start getting uh, Popstar Pilot money, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is, there no, no Is there an iOS 9 version? Uh, I was thinking about doing a basic 09 version of Cramp for Craps and Giggles, but honestly, uh, I want to learn assembly before I learn basic 09 because I don't feel like learning basic 09 is propelling me forward in a way. It's kind of sidestepping. And I think the time spent learning assembly is going to be more productive for my 
long-term goals to make more games and better quality games. You know. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a few steps forward, but it's not as big of a jump as assembly now. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's on the list, but actually the next one I probably want to do is I want to do a Coco VGA version. So I'm hoping that between now and um, November, so if I can make it to Tandy Assembly, I think Brendan Donahue's going to be there. I'll bring one of my Cocos and have him do a Coco VGA implant so I can uh, make a version for that. That'd be cool. cool. Yeah. And how'd you go last week with the uh, Paul Thayer's uh, uh, marathon? Yeah, I mean, we had a good time at the marathon. I haven't, I didn't hear back from him as far as like, if he, you know, if that turned into sales or not, I think one or two people said they were, they were going to get it, but I don't know any numbers. Nick, did you sell a few games? After yeah, there were a few there that um, Steve was able to uh, coerce out of people. <laughs> yeah, I think there was about eight of them. Uh, about, somewhere around eight got sold during the month of August. Yeah, no. Wow. It's pretty good. Ferrari number three. Yeah. We just saw Jason on the edge of the internet there a second ago. Yep, the edge of the bad. internet. Living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. All right. Well, I think I'm going to take a commercial break here. I got a All dog right. I got to let in here gonna, real quick, too. He's going to so drop a dog off be... at the pool or something. I hear David takes <laughs> him up for you. So. <laughs> Hey, David, how you doing over there? I'm doing fine. What's up? I'm doing fine. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> like you're very comfortable and very fall asleep this over one there. one of these things where David's just going to be in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to run these commercials. If you need to go grab a smoke, go smoke them. If you need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> go drain it. <laughs> All right. Drain your we'll frothy. Right back. <laughs> smoke it up like Elon Musk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video. Stop licking that. One cable can make a difference. I sure hope that didn't go over the air. <laughs> it's a family switcheroo. Oh shit, I wasn't Cocoscartcable.com. Oh. What's going on, guys? Hi there. Good show here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk what do you every want, week, dear? and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all Don't the reward that we need. Her. However, <laughs> if you would like to become a patron of the Don't show and pups. offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that. Yeah, and you can reach that by going to our website <laughs> at cocotalk.live and clicking on the okay, Patreon link. Just, just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. Well, yeah, I need it tonight. It looks very but sweet. JT. Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model She's 100 computer. So it's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates Yeah, Grant, you're not sharing the sound, computer. so none of us can hear Fletcher, the commercials, but that's report. okay. Fletcher. Radio oh, Shack's yeah, Model 100. Save $300. Yeah, we can all hear everybody. Put it to work. You'll go far. Uh, it's under sharing you somewhere. And then it's under sharing in advance. And it's like share system sound. And we're now Can back. They... Press the button, Frank. <laughs> 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 
At Gsoft, we make games. Are you running a second commercial break? Nope, I'm taking All right. it. <laughs> All right, we're so back. Sorry training, about that. Training wheels. You have you have system sound <laughs> sound being shared now. All right. Yes, I do. So earlier we heard David say, "Don't lick that," and we have no idea what David was referring to, but that's okay. Inquiring <laughs> um, minds want to know. <laughs> better left to the audience's imagination. <laughs> Or or not, or not. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, is that an outhouse? Or a porta potty? That that's where <laughs> we're broadcasting from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, you're in a room. <laughs> that's a Coco Talk Broadcast Center. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we broadcast center. <laughs> well, keep that up, Stevie, and I'll go to one of the state parks here in Nebraska, and then I will will stream from uh, one of the outhouses. There you go. <laughs> stream from the outhouse. Mm -hmm. Stream from the outhouse. That's a good Coco game, too, outhouse. Outhouse, yeah, the name of a popular TRC-80 uh, Model 1 game from Computer Shack. What? Computer Shack. Fury by Computer Shack. Later, later Mictron. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Hey, uh, I got to say something. So I uh, fired by yeah, our fearless leader, Steve, over here. Uh, he um, put together a little PC with a floppy on it so he could make uh, floppies, mm -hmm. which is cool. So what I did was I went and found my uh, – I have an old Dell. See it down there? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got a floppy. Have okay. Put it in, and I've got uh, – Windows XP, and um, it's all set, ready to go. I just have to put it in. I thought it was a great idea using an old PC. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what program do you think I should run on there to uh, facilitate making poppies? Like I, I have, uh, you know, my Model 3, Model 4. I could probably make uh, disks from DSKs, you think, with that? Well, yeah, what do you mean by making floppies? You know, physical floppies from digitals. So you want um, I ahead. downloaded a program um, called, uh, what was it? Um, that makes floppies. You have to download a couple, two programs. Uh, I think it's called Coco Disk. And then okay. uh, FD install. And it allow you to make under Windows... To make cocoa discs. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Ah, I see. Didn't the um, emulator that came with the Coco Two emulator have a? Yeah, Jeff Favisor's had that too. Disc something just. Yeah, it's uh, there's two utilities that came with both the Coco Two and the Coco Three emulator from yeah. Jeff Favisor, but those are DOS based. Right, which you know, which would work on XP. This has DOS, yeah. Cool. Because yeah, I know it doesn't work on current versions of Windows. But that's for a Cocoa. What about uh, for Model 1 or 3 or 4? Ooh, that's mm -hmm. a good question. Mm -hmm. Well, that's probably where we'd need some of the TRS-80 Z80 guys to chime okay. in. Um, I'm, a, I'm on the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> I, <clears throat> I know I just read on um, the... Uh, 
what's that newsletter? There's a newsletter for the TRS-80, TRS-8 bit. Yeah. That new emulator was released that emulates the Model 1, Model 2, Model 3, Model 4. It's called TRS-80 GP. But I don't know if that writes the floppies. I think it depends also on the um, how what what your floppy controller is on the PC. Uh, I seem to recall back in the day that it only worked on older yep. style PCs. Yeah, so it may not work on your um, your machine there. Um, um, the... I built a four eighty six that I write discs with, and <clears throat> I went to a website. Um, I can post the link in the chat uh, a, a gentleman named oh, Dave I can't remember his last name he wrote a program called image disk and he, and he has disk images that you can write to disk but this is a DOS utility so it's not for Windows hmm. but he has a program called test FDC that you run and it evaluates your floppy controller and tells, can tell you um, if it's compatible with his software. And the important thing is it tells you if you can write Model 1 disks, because Model 1 single and double density disks need a certain type of disk controller. Yeah. And uh, so this utility, um, oh, Dave Dunfield is his name. And I am... Um, does David Ladd uh, feel like he should say something here? <laughs> this this no. is a floppy question, David. Yes. You've been... so I put it in the Zoom group chat. The link. Hey, Ron, why don't you use your... Uh, you got a uh, multi-pack and, uh, yeah. and everything. Why aren't you using that to uh, convert? I oh, I okay. I was going to think more of... Uh, I, I don't know that I can use anything on the Cocoa to make uh, Model 1 discs, all right? Oh, Model 1 TRS-80 yeah. discs. That's oh. mainly what I was thinking. I oh. think there was a way, because I think Spectral, way, way back when the Cocoa first came out, actually had a utility for it, for doing Model 1 and 3 discs. But I don't remember seeing it on the archive, and I haven't seen it in years. Did the um, original disc controller support single density as well? Yes. Ah, oh, there you go. It supported sector sizes from 128 to 1024 bytes and single density. Oh, so, yeah, it should be able to do Model 1 disks then. Yeah, as long as you have the software that knows how the... Oh, as long as you have the software, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, I got a message from uh, Hugo. I, I put a message up on um, on uh, the Facebook group uh, telling Hugo to uh, join us at... Uh, on Coco Talk, and he he replied. He said he's away from his computer, but okay. he might be up. He might be able to join later. Okay. So yeah, hopefully he'll be able to join us a bit later on and talk about his uh, new game. Good. Cool. That would be Excellent. nice. What is Jason doing now? Okay, Jason is now switching to the red screen. Oh Lord knows what inside Jason's colon in the porta potty here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> There he is. Okay. We're not going to watch him live stream, are we? <laughs> Steve, we don't need to see no Collins. <laughs> so, Steve, I remember you were... <laughs> so, how are you copying your, your, your disks? For, uh, for the MS-DOS thing? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, I had somebody give me a floppy drive, but it's a 1.2 megabyte, so it's a high density. But I have blank floppies that I, I ran the command line format to format them as 360K floppies. And I formatted them that way, and I copied the files to them. The only problem is, is I have no way to accurately test it if it will work on a single density drive because I don't have a system with a single. The, the 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 whole point was I wanted to get the game on a disc to load it into the Tandy 1000 when I got to VCF, so I could demo the game on the Tandy 1000. Now that I'm not able to make it, it's not as important, but that was the plan. Um, theoretically, this should work, but I've also been told that when you have the high-density drives, even though you formatted them as low-density, there might be some compatibility issues on the actual low-density drives, and I would have no way to test it. What's that? Here's the problem, is if the disk has been formerly used on a low-density system, it has a wider track physically. The high-density ones write a narrower track, and so if you don't completely degauss it first, so it's all wiped out, what will happen is is that when you read on low-density disk, it'll pick up the center, which is your image you want, but the noise on the sides. So it makes it unreadable. Mm. So, so it should be fine well, if it's all been... Makes sense. The way know. around that is you get a bulk tape eraser, like we used to yep. get erase VHS tapes, and you have to zap the disc and then reformat it. Now, if, if you cannot write... You can write to that disc on the 360K drive, mm-hmm. but once you write to it on a 360K drive, you cannot write it again on the 1.2. So what you do is you take it to the 1.2 and you do a disk copy. You copy it to a fresh 360K floppy written only on the 1.2 meg drive. Hmm. Then you can read and write to it on the 1.2. But you can't... You can... The, the, the disk tracks are different widths. So you can't overwrite a thicker track with a thinner one because you'll have garbage on the edges. Okay. It just sounds like a huge fluster cluck. I just really needed to get <laughs> one going to yeah, get the game in. Steve, didn't you see you had a Tandy 1000? Well, I was going to be picking it up at VCF Midwest. Oh. And my intention was to bring a floppy disk with me so I could load the game into the system and demo the game. I my, my, yeah, my concern is that that my process for generating them is not necessarily 100% guaranteed it's going to work. And from the sounds of it, it probably won't. Do you want to send yeah. me your floppies and uh, I'll try them on my 1000s and send it back? Uh, can do that. I mean, I, I, two, I have two 1000s. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We'll, we'll, we will arrange for that offline, okay. as they say. Okay. Um, all right, cool, cool. Anybody else have a uh, uh, project update or, or, or um, anything else they wanted to talk about? I did post on Facebook a uh, picture, my latest acquisition that I'm kind of proud of having. Oh, now. look at that. The, nice. The, the it's a, this one here, I couldn't believe it. It is in excellent shape. I can't even see that's even been used. Or wow. ever did you used. break the stick? So, wow. For those of us that don't know, what is it? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I'm sorry. This is the, it's the, it's the white toe. It's the, uh, the, the track ball. Uh, for the, for the tiny one. You know the you know the roller balls like which you play with bigger ones than that like three yeah twins. we used to sell those at zebra I have a couple they're really nice I have one for you that's pretty good oh okay it's been, okay okay that's pretty good Curtis you got one of those don't you yep. Yeah, we, that was one of our our first show together. We actually were right. So that that's forward. good for games like Centipede and Polaris and a few other games like that that are 
Yeah, any know, missile command type game. Missile command type game, centipede type games. They're you know, yeah. um, that's cool. Anything with a joystick or or a mouse based game for that matter. If, if yeah. it's based on the analog where you have the full sixty four by sixty four range, that's mm-hmm. where they work the best. Right. Um, it's in such good shape. I kind of hate to to play with it because I want to keep it nice and original looking. Yeah. Right for my collection uh but uh i might get the itch and maybe play one game or two with it and just see how it feels what do you got there running is that the same thing it's yeah basically a trackball is like an upside down mouse but (laughs) it's 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 made in a way where the ball is you know a little bit more readable (laughs) yeah and the white one if i remember it's actually just a standard pool cue ball isn't it oh the ball itself is a cue ball i think so Um, i think it's it's smaller slightly different oh is it okay but we people have put Cue, ball, uh, cue balls and eight balls into them. Hmm. It does feel like the same kind of material, though. You know, like it would be a, a almost yeah. like a cue ball because it does have that same sort of weight or feel to it. Yeah. Now, now, would you run two of those on your machine? You for a two-player game, I guess. But yeah. Yes. I mean, everybody should have a pair of balls, right? From the looks of it, yours are cast iron, Ron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we used to call them mouse balls. Mm-hmm. You got a white one too. No, yeah. I, did a, I, I was the illustrator at Zebra. I, I went to commercial art school, so I drew a, a nice commercial art of a mouse running on top of the ball. Uh, but of course, it looked to some people it looked a little bit different. There was yeah. um, there was a game that came with Windows XP at one point in time that was like a bowling game where you could actually steer the ball down the lanes and stuff. And it was like, you were like bowling down like through outer space and you were bowling in like ancient Rome and stuff. And so it was a really cool visual game. And um, I had, I had gotten a Logitech trackball mouse at that time because it was so much easier to go and just, you know, just whiz the ball um, as you're steering the, the bowling ball down the course and stuff. It was kind of cool. So there are certain games that play that lend themselves very well to a trackball. Um, anyone notice if you use a trackball for a while, then when you go back to a mouse, it's like, yeah, Coco mouse is not the most uh, responsive input device. Yeah. Um, Coco mouse wasn't bad, but yeah. one thing I did notice though, as I was uh, looking for these here, this one I acquired through eBay is that, uh, like a lot of third party, uh, they made, not just for the Tandy products, but they also made for other brands of computers. So you got right. to be watching what you're looking for, that this one actually says for TR-80. Right, right, right. Yeah, Wicko made them for the Magnavox. They made them for the Coco, the Atari, the Amiga, the IBM PC, the Apple II. Uh, I forget which others. What did you pay for that, Brian? Commodore 64. Commodore 64. I, uh, I acquired this one here for about 100 bucks. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen one for a long time. So when yeah, I saw this one, I yeah, they're pretty rare. Yeah. yeah, this is 2018, huh? Whoo, hundred dollar trackball. Wow, that's cool though. It's in the collection now, right? Uh, where do you live, yep. right? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a yeah. shame if something happened to your family. Yeah, just give you any idea. <laughs> is that in Is that Iowa? That's, that is Iowa. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, and Davey Mitchell is saying that the trackball predates the mouse. It's post World War II radar systems. That, uh, yep. <laughs> and I says, now this is really retro talk. <laughs> um, 
All right, so I feel we would be remiss if we don't get on to the main topic of today's show. Uh-oh. Unless I've cut anybody off. Does anybody else have anything they wanted to say? Let me. All right. Did you want to uh, Sure, let's do that. Let's run a commercial break. Make sure you got your sound sharing so we can hear the commercial and not talk over it. All right. Press the button, Frank. Let's hit that commercial, and then we'll be back after these words. Easy. All right, here we go. Commercial TRS-80 color computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade to text adventures to simulations to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we've put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. Computer shopping has never been better at Radio Shack. Here's proof. Our new ultra-high-performance 386SX 20 megahertz computer with 85-megabyte hard drive, only $12.99. And it's from Tandy, manufacturer of the best-selling PC compatibles in America. Or get a 286-based Tandy home office computer with color monitor and hard drive, only $899.95. Shop your friendly nearby Radio Shack. Great selection, superior service. Nobody compares. All right, we are now back. Mm. How's everybody doing out there today? Yeah, nobody compares to Radio Shack. <laughs> visit, visit a All hobby right. town today. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we having Steve Con on here? Does Steve Con need to be on the screen again? Is it? Do we think it's going to be that bad? <laughs> yeah, well, we're just getting things ready just in case. Get your heart <laughs> answered. Uh, yeah, if we keep talking All about right, Steve. <laughs> Stevie, you have the floor, sir. It's all, all right. So um, we are going to talk about, at least I am going to talk about, anybody else is free to chime in when I'm done, um, about uh, some events that have transpired since last week's show, and apparently uh, controversy has ensued. And uh, for those who did not see the show uh, in their been under a rock. I'll just kind of bring you up to speed. So we had an assembly language segment last week with Steve York, and he was going over some commands, and then he made the comment that the ASL is broken because it doesn't work right, and it basically works the same way as the LSL means. And if you don't know what either one of these means at this point, it's honestly not even that important. But it, uh, I believe, if I can say the word right, it's not arithmetic, but it's arithmetic, <laughs> right? So uh, ASL is an arithmetic shift left, shift left, and an LSL is a logical shift left. And uh, Steve made the statement that the ASL on the 6809 does not work properly. And apparently uh, one or more people took this to heart as saying, well, no, that's not a true statement. So let's 
demonstrate the fact that that is not a true statement. So we've got at least two different sources of people. Uh, John Linville posted a blog saying, and I don't honestly, I don't even remember, but I believe the, the, the moral of the story, the short version of that was, is that this blog post says Steve Bjork is wrong, right? So whatever he said is, is not correct. And that ASL does work properly if you know what you're doing uh, or whatever. Again, so, um, so John did a blog post to, um, to demonstrate that. Um, and then um, was Dave Phillipson made yep. a YouTube video running through the numbers showing that the, the negative numbers carry and the whole nine yards. So again, now we have two people who have basically said, no, it works. Um, so Steve is wrong. And now, of course, Steve can't be with us today. So, um, and, and I believe too, actually, I think right now on my um, Facebook Messenger, I think Bill Nye, the science guy, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson have also both chimed in. They've done their own scientific research and they've also proven that uh, no, ASL is not broken. So I believe there's enough scientific evidence to, to demonstrate the fact that the statement made was not a true statement. Now, um, did Steve uh, make this as an error or is his believing is his belief in what it's supposed to do or not believe it, it, I don't know he's not here he can't say it but based on the evidence and Curtis back me up on this too as have we concluded that the statement is an incorrect statement yes pretty well every 8-bit CPU and most other 16 bits and stuff all do it the same way um, it's basically related to the fact that when you do that with a sign number it, it when it goes into overflow it can change the sign bit, which if you just look at the <clears throat> the command itself, arith arithmetic usually would mean in your head. If it's a positive and I do a shift, it's going to stay a positive. If it's a negative and I do a shift, it's going to stay a negative, which in numbers that were within range, that works fine, which Steve even said on his, his segment. The problem is when you hit the overflow and it's now getting to a number that's too big to fit into eight bits. Mm -hmm. And that one, depending on whether it's a negative or positive to begin with, can shift into and switch the sign on you. Now, this is an overflow condition, like it's kind of almost an error, not quite, but <clears throat> it does set the carry or the condition code register to flag that it's an overflow. So your program does know that, you know, I'm a little bit outside of my space here. This won't fit. So I think basically what it comes down to is that John and David are right, that it does operate the same on pretty well every 8-bit machine, and it is the way it was designed. It's not a design flaw. I think what Steve was trying to get at was that if you just think of it as an arithmetic shift where you expect the sign not to change ever, because if you're arithmetically shifting a number, a positive stays a positive, negative stays a negative, that that will not operate as you might think, especially to a beginner, if, if you assume that that is the case. If you do an overflow condition on it, that can change. It can change the sign on you. So I'm kind of in the middle on it. I think John and David are right that it is operating exactly the way as it should be. But Steve did make the point, especially for a beginner, that you should be aware that if you do an overflow condition on a shift, you're getting too big for 8 bits, the sign can change, which is not what you would expect. So it's kind of just something to be aware of, I think, more than right. okay. it's not a fun. It's just something you should need to be aware of. So so let me just let me just start by saying this. Listen, if we are if we're and when I say we, it wasn't even my presentation. Steve put together a presentation. But if we're a show and we are a community resource and if we're putting on information and the information is not correct, well, it will get corrected and we will let you know. Hey, last week we said, you know, the sky was blue. It turns out the sky is red. Our bad sky is red. Right. So that's kind of a, a moral responsibility. And unfortunately, Steve's not here now. So the, so the question really becomes now, was Steve wrong? All right. Or was how he said it. But, yeah, I think he did say it in the phrase of, yeah, Motorola 
screwed up or Motorola didn't do this or none of this is something, whatever. I don't know. However he said it, 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 it pissed in some people's Wheaties, right? So, um, so, so let's just, let's just say that the statement is not a true statement. We're now going to correct the statement. ASL works the way it's supposed to work. Hey, my daughter just chimed in, Megan. Hello, Megan. And Megan's going to want me to go fishing, which is why I'm uh, having to get off of the show here soon. So, all right. So let's say he was wrong and let's say, let's say worst case scenario, he doesn't want to admit he's wrong. He's not going to say I'm wrong. He's not going to say I'm sorry. Here's my, here's my concern about this. This is the part about this that I'm not, I, I have no problem admitting if I made a mistake and, or whatever else. But my, my, my concern is this, is that we've had a couple of people spend a long time to go out of the way to, you know, say, oh, no, no, this is right. This is wrong or whatever. And, and honestly, I just feel the, the way it happened just doesn't rub me the right way. Um, it doesn't feel to me like we're doing this for the benefit of the community. Like this was not a community service to prevent some poor uh, unknowing assembly programmer from possibly stepping in a pothole. This was more to me, it really felt like let's just prove that this guy is wrong. Honestly, that's just what it felt like to me. He's wrong or he made a statement. So are we trying to do this to correct the show? Are we trying to do this to wrong or right? Are we really trying to do this to bring somebody down a notch? And honestly, to me, it felt more like it was about, uh, he screwed up. Let's let the world know he screwed up. Right. That's kind of how it felt to me. The, 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 the way it was presented and, and the, the amount of time and energy and effort that went into beating this one to death just did not feel like it was warm and fuzzy, you know? So, and, and I have an issue with that, honestly. So that, so this is going to be my rant today. And so, so what's the fix? That's it's honestly it's irrelevant if it shifts left if it shits right if it shits to bed it doesn't matter what I want to address right now is this is that you know we have a couple of people who went out of their way to uh, to take on a uh, uh, you know whatever it is to take on a fight or uh, you know whatever the thing is to take on a cause and what what's what was the motivation of the cause and what's 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 the end result benefit for the for the greater of mankind I don't know that there is. And, and that's the part I have an issue with. So as, as a show that we are providing, if we provide misinformation, uh, it, obviously people are going to make a mistake. If we find out the information is wrong, we'll fix the information and we will correct it the next time. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, it, to me, this one, this was just taken too far, too long, and it was just dragged out and it was just beat to death in, in, in a way that it didn't need to be beat to death. So, that's my opinion, and my opinion is not wrong. It's mine. But so here's my bigger concern. And again, I'm, I'm at this point now, I just feel like uh, a lot of people have been uh, walking out. At least I feel like I have to walk on eggshells sometimes. I feel like sometimes we are ignoring the gorilla in the room. And, and so what this has taught me from a perspective of a show and a perspective of how I want uh, our show to uh, interface with, the, with our community that we serve is that, you know, there's just unfortunate, there is some bitterness between certain people. There is some negativity that plagues. Some of it happens behind the scenes. Some of it happens on the scenes. None of us are perfect, right? So, and there's a couple of people that just, they don't like each other. And the fact that they don't like each other is why certain things happen. This person doesn't like that person. So we're now going to talk shit about whatever product they make. This person doesn't like that person. So if they make a mistake, let's write a blog about it, you know? And so is it serving the community or is it just serving our animosity for another person? And, and, and that's the kind of drama that I don't want to have being any part of this show. 
And, and there's been plenty of times that I've sat by and just let things happen. And I'm, my position now is I'm not going to do that. And so, yeah, maybe Steve made a mistake and maybe he will admit it. Maybe he won't. And when he's here, he can speak for himself. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. I mean, I rage quit my own show for the love of God. Right. So I'm going to be the last person to say I've never made a mistake. The difference is when I make a mistake, I'll say, hey, dude, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Let's move on. I don't hold grudges. I don't bury hatchets, all that, you know, all that kind of crap. So I just think there's things going on that to me don't feel like we are this warm, fuzzy ball of community that we all claim to be. Right. And then they're bothering me. And um, and I just want to put an end to it. So my stance is going to be this. If somebody is going to be rude to somebody else on the show, which has happened, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, listen, no, that's not cool. Let's not be rude to that person. And if they can't do it, then we're going to cut them off. And I don't care who that person is. Uh, nobody's going to get a free ride. Nobody's going to get a pass, right? So there's been plenty of times where, you know, Simon's gotten his hand slapped for trying to speak. So that's just not cool, right? There's, there's times now where we're trying to prove each other right or wrong and defend our opinion or our belief on something. And, and for what reason? Is there, is there a valid positive reason? Is there a valid positive outcome to this? I don't feel that there is. And, and honestly, it's just got me sick to my stomach. So my position and my preference is going to be, I want people on here who are going to be nice to each other and are not going to find the first chance we can get to point out somebody's mistake and to, you know, say, no, you can't speak because I'm speaking and all these kind of things. I don't want any of this crap going on anymore. I'm not going to tolerate it on this show. I can't control how people behave outside of anything, but I can control what I'm going to allow to take place on this show. And I'm just not going to allow it anymore. So uh, if anybody is rude or disrespectful to somebody, I will mention it politely. And if you know you get one warning, and if not, boom, you're going to be hung up on for the show. And if it's a problem, somebody continues to be a rude one, they just won't be on the show anymore. But there's no free rides. There's no free passes. There's no exceptions. And that's it. So that's it. That's the end of my rant. I'm done. You guys feel free to chime in however you want to chime in. Okay. I have to say I agree. I think it's okay to have discussions. It's okay to have disagreements, but we have to be civil about it. It doesn't become personal. It's not like me versus Stevie or something like that, you know, where I'm, you know, taking it as a personal affront. Um, we have to be somewhat open-minded. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks, et cetera, too. Like there's been a few times where stuff that I've believed for 20 years and I've found that I'm wrong. And like Stevie said, you have to be able to admit it and, and carry on. And we should have discussions. We, we don't have to always agree on everything, but we have to be civil about it. And that's, I think, what the crux of Stevie's position is, and I have to agree, because it just distracts from the show. And then it becomes personal, then you get sides forming on both people on the sides, and then you get, you know, not just two people arguing, you get two communities arguing with each other. And the Coca community is too small to, you know, kind of fracture it apart like that. I think we need to try to, you know, we're, we're trying to promote the same machine in whatever way possible, and we should all be sharing in that and not trying to separate into separate subgroups that are fighting with each other all the time. That's my opinion. Well, um, I could just say one thing too. Um, I, in the past have, uh, been moving my camera around a whole lot and doing things in the background and stuff. Stevie came to me and said that, uh, you know, I didn't think it was a good idea and to try not to do it so much anymore. So I don't. And, um, I took that as, you know, something to help and I'm not mad at him for saying that to me. And I wouldn't be, and uh, we're, we're buds still. <laughs> it's not <laughs> constructive a, criticism. You know, that's what I would yeah, tell you. and it was it's okay. You know, um, everybody should be able to take some a little bit of uh, you know uh, balanced correction. You know, and and move along. Um, 
none of us are perfect, like you said. And <laughs> Ken <Rick>. says, <laughs> Ken, Ken in the chat says, we have to be civil about our disagreements, you stupid morons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was in Florida, you know, here recently for a week. And, um, you know, after he had told me to do this stuff, I thought, no, I'm not going to his house. No way. <laughs> <laughs> This guy doesn't like the way this guy didn't doesn't like the way I move my camera. Yeah, so, no, I couldn't go. I wanted to real bad, but I just couldn't. So no, no yeah. biggie. So I mean, on one hand, we do want to make sure if we are a um, if we are a news source or a media outlet for the machine in the community, we want to make sure we do our best effort to provide accurate information. Uh, and and also as a community service, if the information is not accurate, there can be a tactful way to say, well, no. And I'm not saying that doing a blog post is not tactful. I'm not saying that the other uh, YouTube video was not tactful. Um, I just feel like it was just a whole lot all at once, and I'm questioning the motive or the, you know, the 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 you know the actual intent behind it. I don't know. Again, this is this is me. So, um, but what I what I will admit is that I have seen bad behavior happen, and I have tolerated certain behavior that I am not um, always felt really good that sh this person shouldn't have treated this person that way or this or any other. And what I'm going to do is I'm just not going to sit around and tolerate it anymore, at least on the show, because that's the only thing that I can control. I can't control people's grudges towards each other. And if, if people, and we're, we're grown men, so if people can't bury the past and move forward, I can't control that, but I'm, less, I'm just not going to let any more of that affect this show. And I don't want, you know, you know what I mean? It just, it, to me, it, it really felt like we spent a year and a half blowing up a balloon full of good intentions and good energy and, and positivity. And then it just felt like there was a couple of times that people are now poking the hole in this balloon and just letting some of that out and just deflating everything that had been achieved. And it just, it didn't, didn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with me. And I'm not saying that was the intent, but that's what it feels like to me. Um, and I don't feel good about it. So I'm, I'm sharing my opinion on the matter. And I just want to make sure that this is a show where friends can be friends and you know what, we don't have to like what somebody's going to say, but they should be able to say it. Well, what do you think of like grudge talk after dark? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you move you your camera around? Why don't you move your camera around, and I'll tell you how I feel about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Davey Mitchell's throwing up the peace dubs, right? So, uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, that that's just kind of that's just my take, and I don't I don't want to you know the gloves are off. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat anything. That's kind of how I feel about it. If I am if I have misrepresented what people's intent was. Hey, again, I, I'm, I'm stating my opinion. I'm not saying that Motorola made a mistake. But in my opinion, I felt like this was more vindictive than it was helpful. Well, and, and my perspective, too, is that, you know, I was big into the cocoa in my teen years. And I put this stuff all in a box back in 1989, 1990, and it hasn't seen the data, uh, daylight since. And coming across this show just a few months ago, this has got me uh, unboxing everything and getting back into it. And I want to continue to grow with the machine and see how it all how it all works and learn uh, things that I've forgotten because you know I haven't touched this stuff in that many years. And so I want to see this community grow and in uh, the the new products and the and kind of getting back into the retro thing of it all. And you know the the whole the whole big picture of what this community can bring to uh, to the whole. So I want to yeah. see it grow. Yeah, we shouldn't have a couple of guys cause this thing to go down or anything. You said hole like four times. 
<laughs> um, I, tend to, I tend to repeat myself a little bit. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I always have to have a sense of humor. All right, so in the live chat, to shifting gears for just a second, Lloyd Thompson says, hey, guys, I just bought a Panasonic 9-pin dot matrix printer. Any idea where I can find a cable that will fit my printer port on my Coco that can connect my port on my printer? Then we're asking, is it RS-232? And Lloyd says it's got RS-232 and USB. I don't know. So, yeah, and then the, we're now saying that this might make a good core dump. So is anybody familiar with that printer? The Panasonic... He doesn't tell us what model, but if it's serial, it should work somehow, right? If it's a yeah, serial printer, a cable. Yeah, he says sports IBM and Epson, so that means it's old. old okay. School. Yeah, there so you it's go. It's just a matter of physical cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Four into the 25 or whatever. 25. Yeah. So, Stevie, I Fuck got a question you. for you. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Feel the love now. What's that? No? <laughs> So, do you think that this uh, this this issue is more Coco community related, or is this in a lot of? Other uh, I can't speak for other retro communities, but I, I feel there are some strong personalities with some some history of bad blood, and I feel that this comes up. And and you know, like I said, I can't change the past. I can't change other people's feelings towards each other, but I just feel like sometimes it's just poisoning the water well, and I'm just kind of tired of drinking tainted water. So, I would like to keep the well as clean as possible. So I can't speak for other communities, though, so I don't know. Yeah, but I, 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 if, if I had one wish, it would be that we could all just get along. And whatever happened in the past and whatever problems we have with each other, we could find a way to bury those hatches. Now, maybe that's too idealistic, but that would be great. But in the meantime, if you can't get along, then just don't bring it, don't bring it here. You know, I don't want to hear it on Discord. I don't want to hear it on the show. Civility. That's basically there's, what it boils down to. There's yeah. some bad actors in the Apple community. But yeah. yeah. I mean, it's human nature. We're human beings. We're flawed. Be we're flawed creatures. We all have, you know, we all make mistakes. We all have emotional wounds. We all have thresholds and tolerances. You know, I've been married to my wife for 18 years. So she looks at me wrong. I'm ready to curse at her. So, you know, I get it. I get it. You know, we have these we have these hair triggers with certain people in certain situations. It's just scar tissue that is formed over time. You know, that healing would be well, healing would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, I know how to set off my wife after 44 years. You know, yeah, yeah. Just, just for fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times? I don't know how many times I've been told about the damn toilet seat lid. You know, it's just yeah. like it, it is what it is. You know. <laughs> Ken says somebody poisoned the waterhole. We're we're quoting Woody from uh, <laughs> we're quoting Woody from Toy Story now. So, yeah. <laughs> Nick, did you want to say anything about this he's, topic? He's probably scared. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's just, it's just that I'm always right, you know. So um. <laughs> <laughs> There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I agree entirely with what Steve said. So, yeah. No comment. <laughs> so. Yeah, we gotta be careful because we don't want to do bullying or anything like that, especially. In no, no, I'm not trying to ostracize anybody, but I also I don't want to tap dance on certain things that have just been overlooked for a little too long. It's really that's kind of my stance on it. And really, David Ladd, I can't tell you how much I can't stand that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Stevie. <laughs> At least he muted his video. That helped. Yeah, right. <laughs> Honesty can sting. 
You know, here I was trying to put a little bit of a, a break in there. <laughs> Jeez, look at what I get for trying to create a pleasant put your, distraction. Put your, put your video back on, David. We miss you. We miss seeing yeah, that face of yours. <laughs> We're seeing your shining face. We don't. <laughs> wow. All right. Have we, beat this? Have, have, we have we beat this one to death? <laughs> yeah, you know, I downloaded a picture of a horse with a guy in a stick. I forgot to put it up. <laughs> Why don't you turn, no, the, camera, no. turn the camera real fast, Ron? And uh, <laughs> no, we need Stevie somewhere. in a horse costume with someone beating him with a stick. <laughs> I think we're good. Uh, I promise right. to do my best. Ron, you're doing a great job. You've got okay. so much, you know what I mean? You have so much contagious energy. You're always sharing pictures. <laughs> you're always doing, you know what I mean? You are like the epitome of the the happiest guy in the world when it comes yeah. to your enthusiasm for the hobby and for what you do on Facebook and everything. I else. got you know toys. I mean? I got toys. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> It really is. I mean, it's great. I mean, listen, we're all we're all good people. None of us are bad people. We're all human beings. And individually, we're all great. And sometimes collectively, there's certain chemical reactions that don't always make for sweet, bubbly, you know, seven up. Sometimes you get things that just don't go well in the wash. And, and uh, you know, it just it is what it is. But I, I would I would love to see a time where where everyone was much more civil towards each other yeah and sometimes and sometimes they'll start legitimately like you are trying to say you know something was misinformation and here's an example showing you why etc and then sometimes because of the personality clash it, it escalates beyond that when it should have just been okay you know there's this this proof that this is wrong or that it should work this way instead or whatever and then sometimes it just you know like we always say are we done beating the dead horse well sometimes the horse is like beaten into a bloody pulp and lying in pieces all over the ground and it's still going on Oh, and that's that's where it's just getting a little bit of way too out of hand and civility. So we, it's the same. Do we need like a graphic of an explosion thing with dust flying down for when you bounce somebody off or do it? <laughs> well, the SteveCon <laughs> kind of covers that, though. I mean, it's personalized yeah. in that case, but yeah. I think it could apply to all of us, to be honest. Yeah. Do unto others. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, moral I, of the story is David Ladd can stay. David Ladd, we're yeah. going we're to give, give him another chance. So. <laughs> He's already... hey, when we vote on that? <laughs> oh, sorry. What are we talking about? No, no, but David, why don't you stay on camera? We never see you. No, we, we, got, got... No, no, we don't want that. Oh, he's now on the edge of the internet, too. What are you doing? You peeing outside, David? What? <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody caught a cocoa STD this past week? <laughs> <laughs> I had some. Oh no, David's David's camera's frozen. <laughs> Let's get too far from his Wi-Fi point there or something. Oh, what a what a mug though! Look at that mug. It's it's it's, it's a very... and the three day growth. It's nice. Yes, look at that mug. It's a fling of beauty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there he is walking the dog. Walking the dog. Walking the dog. Please don't sing who let the dogs out. Right, right, right. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to drop off because I promised my daughter we were going to go fishing. I got fresh worms and all kinds of stuff. So thank you for oh, indulging me. You just uh, TMI, TMI. And then you leave. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, just dropped a dropped a big old shite uh-huh. right in the carpet. And now it's uh, yeah. that's David the dog whisperer to clean Bye. up. Too, so <laughs> <laughs> thanks for bringing um, And so yeah, so I guess the I guess if there is very a, funny, Stevie. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You too kind. Um, so <laughs> if there is a silver lining to me not being able to go to BCF Midwest next weekend, I guess it's so we, at least we can still have a show. We're concerned about having a show. Uh, uh, and Lloyd says, thanks. I'm excited to finally have gotten a Coco to play with. I'm slowly building a collection of hardware. Was was Lloyd the guy we showed the picture of last week where he had the, the com- computer that was a little bit dirty, but he says, I just got it. And he, you know, I think I it was. That was him or not. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, Lloyd, we're happy to have you here. Sorry, sorry, you're listening to us air some dirty laundry right now, but um, thanks for being here. And um, your nonstop source for drama is here, Drama Talk. Um, Families have interventions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, guys. So, yeah, I'm going to drop off. Thank you so much, uh, Grant. Continue to continue to do a great job, David Ladd. I love you. Um, t- we'll be talking hey, about you and, and if you can. If, I, I would expect, <laughs> I, I want a blog post and a YouTube video um, or you're not holding up to community standards. So. <laughs> All right. Press the button, Frank. <laughs> take care, guys. Enjoy. Later, Stevie. All right. Take care, Stevie. That's the opposite of rage quit. Oh, crap. I thought that was muted. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I, had a good, I had a good time All with right, uh, guys. Little... Max uh, Jackson. The other day, him and I got together. He bought an MC-10 in the mail. It came. It didn't have a power supply, so he came over, and we hooked it up, and it got it working. It was fun. We had, uh, you know, we um, played on the Coco 3 a little bit. Uh, we copied games. It was fun, just like the old days, copying games, huh? software. How are you trying to start <laughs> some controversy there, Ron? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Finally. Somebody's you know, It's kind of funny because I remember – do you remember in the, in the Rainbow Magazine Pen yeah. Pals? That's how I used to trade games and stuff oh, with yeah? uh, people with, through Pen Pals. I could never wait till 10 o'clock in the morning when the mailman came <laughs> to see what they brought. <laughs> well, I think Steve's talked about it before. I mean, back in the day, a lot of us were kids, and you couldn't afford games. No. And I mean, no, it's not no. right for the software authors not to get paid for the work. That's right. But you wouldn't have bought it anyway. You wouldn't have the money. So had they really lost that many sales, I mean, you can belabor the point. I'm sure they lost some. Um, but nowadays, since we're older and we have disposable income, a lot of us are supporting the authors, and they're probably you know, doing as well as they would have done in the old days in some cases. I Except for Nick, you know, because he had 14 Ferraris back then. But um, <laughs> I just bought Bruce Moore's uh, thing. You know, all six episodes he has out are awesome. Yeah, I, I was able to sit all at once and listen and go through each one. It was great. And, um, you know, <laughs> used to be... Uh, buying a software is one thing. It's almost like when somebody uh, gives you a car, you don't take care of it as well as if you spend the money every month and buy a car. It just seems to be, you know, you mm-hmm. take care of it, you wash it, you buff it out and stuff. Yeah, you're <laughs> personally invested in it. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the same as living in an apartment versus yeah, a house. And once you're, you're, you're paying the mortgage and you're paying the upkeep, well, you're going to you know keep it up a lot better than if you're renting an apartment from some landlord you don't even like. Yeah, but the truth is you're supposed to take care of everything, right? You're supposed to, but that, that, <laughs> once again, that personal investment's not there. Yeah. You're just, you know, loaning it or whatever, so. 
Yeah, because I heard that was uh, like I missed that. I've been so busy with work this week, but I guess there was a bit of a copyright controversy <laughs> going on on Facebook too, and that actually got yanked down because it was getting too personal and vented and heated and stuff too. So, with what? With about copyright. Oh, you mean I, um... I, I didn't catch any of it because I've been so busy with work, like I said, but I had to hear about it from a few other people, and I guess it was only up for about twenty four hours, and I got yanked. Wow. Facebook. Oh wow! Because I, I put uh, something up about. Um... Uh, book the um, assembly language book by Barden up it was for $200 then after that people started saying oh no you can get it yourself online and then people mentioned that he, he had yanked them yeah well I thought maybe that would be a problem how many books were yanked from offline are we just talking about one or everything he did I think yeah everything what Bill Barden did yeah, he still got copyrights on. But people have to actively pursue their copyrights. Steve's mentioned this before too, because he has to do that too. Because if you set precedent, even for something you did way back in the day, that you're not going to enforce your copyright, they can use that in court, even on modern stuff you're doing now, and say, "Well, you're not enforcing your copyright, so it doesn't apply." You know this. How many how many books did he how many books did he Pardon? write? Oh, quite a few, different yeah. platforms and stuff too, not just Coco. This all goes to the same root of. Uh, being nice and civil and stuff really you know and respecting authors rights and stuff yeah. too i mean like i said on my, on my website i've got downloads of about 110 games and i've got permission free more you know whenever i get back to my site but um i've made sure that anything i've got on my site i've gotten permission from the author to release i'm not putting anything up that i just threw up because i have it so I'm, I'm trying to keep it clean there now the coco archive is basically doing the opposite they put everything up and then they pull it off if the author complains and they haven't had too many so, I mean, I don't know where the correct ground is there. I would wish that some people would be able to release stuff, either PD or shareware or something, like release the rights. So then it's a legal thing. It doesn't affect their current copyrights or they've got anything current going that they want to maintain their copyright and they want to maintain so that when they, if they have to go to court over it, that they have enforced their copyrights. But you can release something that you've done years and years ago that you're not going to sell and have no plans to sell again as long as it's not encroaching on anybody else's copyright. Like Steve's would be a bit of an exception because a lot of his stuff was ports. You know, for DataSoft of official arcade games, so you got to get Sega in on it. You got to get DataSoft in on it to get the rights to say release Axon. So it becomes such a rigmarole that chances are you probably can't. So that's that's my personal view on that. I I tend to favor the side of the authors. I've been one myself um, with commercial stuff that I've seen pirated lots. And uh, but on the other hand, I do see some authors that have no intention of ever selling the game again. You might as well just you know if you if you're able to just release the code or not not even the source code if you don't have anymore a lot of people don't but just release the executable so people can enjoy them on, on the retro machines because you're not going to be selling it anyway and quite a few authors have i mean like i said i've got quite a few on my website that uh, are legally released by the author cool well you know um with uh ease of use coming out and being able to uh play music uh, wave files on there and um playing the um uh, astronomy program planet engine that's cool um and uh moving over to back here i got the coco sdc player um playing um you know it's mp3s basically through the coco which is stuff uh we never thought would ever happen back in the day i mean uh, yep. brian what do you think about all this new stuff? I think it's great. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, looking back at what uh, what we had available before and then seeing what is available now, 
um, it's just, it's just, it's really neat. I mean, I'm ordering, oh yeah, it's very mind blowing, you know, uh, yeah. looking at, uh, I did get my, uh, the, uh, SDD, uh, order. <laughs> I don't want to say, yeah, yeah I think I've been getting a little resonant about that one. Kind of funny, but, uh, yeah, I got that ordered and, uh, going to be getting the boomerang and, uh, and, uh, getting my, uh, my cocoa set up. I think it's uh, really cool, uh, the things, cause you can kind of bring a little bit of a modern flair and just better enjoy uh, what the retro computer, you know, and the old Coco can do for us, you know. And so I just think it makes it, makes it a much more enjoyable experience and uh, being able to uh, just, it just makes it better and, and quite frankly, funner too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What's cool is some of these guys that do the hardware stuff, it seems like they just think of what they want to do and then some time goes by and then bam, it's like a magic table, you know, at home. Where uh, you dirty it up next morning, you you wake up and you come out and it's clean, all magic. <laughs> Which my wife would disagree about, but uh, <laughs> it's the same idea though. Uh, these guys they just whip up stuff and uh, they're so smart and they figure it out. Like Paul Barton, even though he's done some, uh, you know, this retro stuff, and he he can think of anything and just you know eventually come up with it. I gave him the. Uh, um, a hard drive uh, controller to play with and a hard drive or two. And I said, yeah, make it work, whatever. He, he got it working. Now he's starting to make his own, you know, he's, he's going to do his own thing. Who knows what he'll add to it, you know, but it's cool. Yeah. I, I like, I know that's a bit of a, a disagreement between some people in the community because um, some people are collectors and they want, you know, hardware yeah. from the time and that's it. They want to stop there. But to me personally, I mean, the Coco never sat on its laurels on hardware. Otherwise, we no. wouldn't have had a multi-pack of hard drives or anything else, even back in the day when it's still being sold. It would have been progressing anyway. So progressing to newer stuff because it's out now. And a lot of the hardware designers, because it would have all these fancy CPLDs and FPGAs and stuff, you can do stuff that you would never have been able to afford to do back in the day. You know, when a hard drive controller was 200 bucks and a hard drive was 5000 you know, now you can do a Coco SDC with a 32 gig card or whatever for like a hundred bucks with a case or less. So I, I have no problem with new hardware coming out and, and expanding the capabilities because we would have been doing that even if Radio Shack still was selling Cocos. Yeah, well, they had the full turn of the screw. Remember that? that yeah, uh, yeah, Tony's. Innovative things all the time. Yeah, it, it always progressed. It never sat on its laurels. It never just halted. And, and and actually, the hardware pickup the last few years, I think, has actually been increasing. Like, it kind of lulled down after the Coco was canceled. And then software for a while was what was coming out more often than hardware. And now hardware is coming out. Software's having trouble keeping up. Yeah, remember the A-Bus that came out? It was in the magazines. Yeah, where you could uh, have all these projects stuck into it and control things. You know, temperature, we have a weather station, do things. Um, that's that's really cool things. Yeah. Stuff I enjoy. Yeah, and Jim Brain, I mean, he's he's got the eight-slot uh, multi-pack type thing, and then Ed Snyder's got his new one coming out that's got built-in serial ports and sound cards. So you, you can get into that kind of stuff again now with much more modern hardware and cheaper. He's got that new, new keyboard coming out too, by the looks of it. Yeah. Grant, did you have news stories that you wanted to cover, like the new keyboard from Eddie's got some photos of, and then Hugo's put some screenshots of the background tiles and stuff for his levels and his new game and that kind of thing? You'll have to sh you'll have to share those because I'm not able to do that because I only have two screens, not three. So if you want to, oh, I'll find them first. <laughs> <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves whilst I try to find those. 
so uh, I went with Max Jackson, you know, to uh, he, he came over to my house and we did this stuff, had fun. We went to lunch together and talked about things. And, and now he, he lives maybe 12 miles away, but now he's moving for Friday. Today, no, yesterday, he's moving to uh, Cincinnati. So now we're back to being um, digital friends. <laughs> but it was nice to see somebody in the flesh, you know, and somebody that, you know, I, I met him at Coco Fest and he's 12 miles away from me, which was interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. Are you uh, going to try to go Coco yeah, Fest try. next year? Yeah. I, I don't know about uh, Tandy Assembly. I kind of like to, but it's, I got things going on. I have a mother that's 86 and a dog that's 86. <laughs> dog just had a UTI, you know. $450 oh, later, she's all back to herself. I'm not. you ready no i'm still hunting down stuff here (laughs) all right let's go ahead and do a commercial here real quick then and uh, oh i was just wondering if anyone has any newbie questions and maybe we can have a a newbie question or someone on the chat might chime in with a question we can do a newbie question or answer it as best we can anyway like the questions that they're going through right now is about that uh, TRCD color computer printer cable. Um, probably need a diagram for that uh, to show the wiring for it. I think Cloud9 have printer cables uh, for that, but it, it may vary between, uh, depending on your printer, what pinouts to use. Oh. They they have a drive wire cable, but I mean, for serial, in most cases, yeah. Switch through transmit and receive lines for the printer. So I posted a link to the DriveWire cable from DriveWire Three uh, site. All right. Cloud Nine, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think in most cases, uh, you you really need to wire up your own cable to suit the printer. I guess I don't know of any place that have have got serial cables ready to go for our printers. Your Coco yeah. manual would have the pinouts. Uh, You'll have the pinouts, but it may not have it where Cloud the wires go. Cloud9 sells serial cables. Yeah. All right. I posted a link on the YouTube chat. Uh, well, I couldn't post the link because I'm not a mod. But if you search on Google for TRS-80 color computer printer cable, an article will come up on the very top of the search that tells you how to make a cable. Oh, is that a wiki? No, it's actually a magazine article from um, oh. from Compute Magazine, and it tells you how to make a cocoa uh, printer cable, and it's looks like it's very easy. Yeah, it's only three wires, I think. Yeah, three wires. When the blue smoke comes out, that's when you have somebody else do it. Well, I I have both a Botech. I have a Bowtech adapter and the other one, the white one, the H. PBH? PBH. I have a PBH yep. and a Bowtech, which is what I recommend because there's no fiddling. But if his printer has a serial uh, interface on the back, as he claims, then you can wire up a direct cable. Yep. Yeah, PBH and Bowtech were the serial to parallel interfaces, so you could run it a bit faster and a bit easier and more compatible with more printers. Yeah, I ran my, my PBH at 9600 boards, but the default is 600 boards, so you have to 
do a poke. Switches on the well, you can do a poke. Whatever you're going to do, you have to make sure that the the dip switches on the serial interface match what you're going to be printing it as. Yeah, the article, the article that I'm talking about um, ha tells you how to do the poke also. Cool. Okay, Grant, I've got a couple of uh, screenshots here, but I can't share. Okay, one second here. I uh, just got a ping here. I guess uh, Dave Phillison has uh, made a statement that he wants me to read, so I'll read it verbatim, and then I will we'll leave it at that. Uh, he says, I um, just wanted to say publicly that I am sorry for the for this ASL got blown out of proportion, and I am the one most responsible for it. I don't have a beef with Steve Bjork. I've never even met him or spoke with him personally, and I hope he will forgive me for making this bigger than it should have been. It is something that I will try to work on. And that was the end of his statement. Good. Very well put. And I, I mean, he was trying to do it as a learning thing to show people, you know, the reasoning behind this, why they disagreed with, with what Steve had said. And I, I, don't, I don't have any beefs with that it just like it got dragged on too long and and then for some people it's starting to get a little bit personal as of, as opposed to just being informative so i i don't, I don't want to discourage yep. dave from like not you know making proof of something that he wants to say and and showing how it works etc i think that's very informative that's like a, almost a tutorial so i definitely want to encourage that to still happen it's just the personal stuff we have to keep out and to be honest i don't think dave got too personal from what i remember but I'm kind of a little bit behind on. I didn't follow all that this last week. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like he's a knowledgeable guy, anyway. Yeah, he wrote Supercom, the original version for OS oh. Nine, a terminal program. So, okay. Oh, cool. All right. Well, before we get to the news, I will go ahead and uh, run a commercial here real quick. So, if everybody needs to go to the restroom, now's the time to do that, and then we'll be right back. I gotta get the commercials in, otherwise, Stevie gets mad. <laughs> We'll return after these announcements. I'm too sad. David Ladd. <laughs> That's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's better when you say that, too. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité, le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. Coco 2 
All right, we are now Take back. Take it from Ron Delvo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can I share a screen here? You're going to share what? Uh, you cannot start share a screen when the other participant is sharing, it says. Oh, let me stop. There you go. Try it again. Take two. Hey, can you see that? Yes. Yep. Yep. Hey, right, so that's Ed Snyder's new uh, keyboard on the top. Wow. Caps that he's got, and uh, he's got other pictures that we can go through there too. Um, but, but compared with the original Coco keyboard on the bottom, he's even got a red break here because I know Jason was bugging him about that. But it looks really good. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, like the does. black background actually better than the gray, to be yeah. honest. That looks really I good. want one now. <laughs> How much do he's we have hoping to get it around 120 for the entire thing? The keycaps, laser etched, as well as the, you know, the switches and everything else on it. Which he's got some pictures of. There's a zoom up of the keyboard there, and if I go here, you can see all the keycaps. I mean, that's that's a fair bit of an investment to get all that stuff. That's a fair bit of keyboard, and we're talking about custom, you know, custom back piece except for the key switches themselves. Yep. I like this. The fact nice? that he labeled it underneath, so you know what keys go where. Because I remember taking my keyboard apart to clean it. And not having a picture of one nearby, <laughs> and I couldn't remember where that half the keys went. I love the little Cylon he put on there. Oh, yeah, the old uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, the old Battlestar Galactica right there. there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So can I suggest a feature creep now? Well, talk to Ed. I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I want light-up keyboard. We know he's listening. We know he's listening. (laughs) I know one thing I thought about. I don't know if there's enough physical room for it, but if you remember the old Coco 1 and 2, the up and down arrow keys were on the left side, right and left arrow keys were on the right. A lot of games were designed to do that because it was quite easy to play two-handed. When the Coco 3 keyboard came out, they jammed them all into the diamond f- configuration more for wood processors, but it kind of sucked for games. I don't know if, I, I don't know if about, about hardware and you know, capacitance and all that kind of stuff, but it would be possible to put alternate versions of the keys. So you have the up and down arrows on the left and in the diamond shape or a T shape or whatever. And then you could actually you know, make it friendly for both purposes. And it wouldn't take any more than the keyboard matrix could be the same key press. I don't and know enough about hardware to know. Maybe a 30-foot thir- cable. And then a uh, container to put put it in so you can have it detached. Yeah. I'm not suggesting Ed do that because, I mean, he's already doing prototype stuff. I don't want him to script his prototypes and have to redo them all. But that was just a thought I had. But I don't, I don't know if about the hardware to really decide if that's a good. Yeah. I think it looks good. So this is going to replace yeah. the one just in there, Just a drop-in right? replacement. It'd be nice. How is this different from... How is this different from Cloud Nine? Cloud Nine's you're using your original Coco keyboard. It's he's replacing all the switches with better quality switches because of those you know, the Mylar and stuff eventually wears out and then your keyboard doesn't work properly. But as far well, as I understand, okay. you still use your old keys with it. Yeah, so basically you have to sacrifice your old keyboard to get the upgrade. Whereas this, yeah, is which in some cases, off. if the Mylar is wearing off, I mean you pretty well have to anyway because you know this key only works half the time you hit it type thing. Yeah. Whereas Ed's replacing the entire unit at once. Keys yeah, so anybody, anybody who has a Coco without a keyboard, this would be your bet. Yeah. yeah. And this will be more expensive because yeah. you've got the keys and everything else, too. Yeah. I like the idea of a light key, though. Cool. Just, yeah, just going on by, by what Curtis was saying about uh, the arrow keys on the left, it'd be nice if there was some way to have a circuit where, which um, uh, reinterprets the Alt and Control keys, which are currently on the left, just reinterprets those so that they become the arrow keys. Yeah. 
Yeah, just a flip of a switch or something. Yeah, or? just just a, a switch or whatever yeah, to reprogram it. Uh, yeah, so that you could choose. You can have either then an original Coco three or something with the uh, arrows on the left, like a Coco two. Yeah, because I remember some of the games were quite easy to play with the keyboard on the Coco one and two, and then when you got to Coco yeah. three, they became impossible. Actually, that's yep. a better idea than mine of having alternate versions of the keys because then you have to redesign the keyboard layout and add more keys. It's more expensive. Yours probably would be a lot cheaper. I don't know the electrical. Yeah, he'd have to relay out the whole PC board. Yeah, so that might be a bit too much. Uh, and then he'd have to, have to yeah. recut that, whatever that bezel is he's putting on the top. I'm assuming he's having that laser cut. So it, it, yeah. would, it would be like making a whole separate key, a whole second keyboard. You know? Yeah. <sighs> That's why I like Nick's idea because then the physical layout of the keyboard is not that different. You would it's just the same, yeah. My my idea was you'd have to add in new keys and everything else, which is a lot more expensive. See, I'm not speaking for anyone in particular, but I heard people are working on a Bluetooth adapter where you could then maybe use a Bluetooth keyboard with a Coco. Yeah, well, I know the Cloud Nine yeah. demoed one of those at the Festivus. Yeah. Yeah, there was a guy uh, that uh, Dave that demoed one, and right next to me at Coco Fest this year. Keyboard and a, and a uh, mouse. Yeah. So anyway, there's that, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, and then uh... Hugo, we saw last week he he had done a lot of the sprites and stuff, which look really really good. And here's some of his tile background stuff, and this looks really good too. Um, so this is the new game he's been working on. This is kind of, he's rebooting a game he started a while ago, uh, probably what a year, year and a half ago, we'd seen some screenshots and he kind of explained that his design of the game kind of went into a corner that he couldn't get out of. Like it, the game design did not fit a good playing game. So now he's kind of like revisiting the whole idea and at the same time redoing the graphics, but his graphic work in here has just been fantastic. I'd hire him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he had some other ones here in the comments too. Yeah, he was showing some of the alternate uh, color sets. Yeah, there we go. So you're seeing the exact same shape tables there, but then he has his in hell version. You know, when you're getting to a later level, kind of like in Doom or something like that. But the, just changing the palette makes it look quite a bit different, even though it's technically the same, exact same shapes. Same image. Yep. Yeah. Definitely a good graphic artist for that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. For sure. Nice. Uh, we have we have a troll in the uh, chat room. Richard is now <laughs> he's trolling while driving. Troll number two. <laughs> anyway, yep. he should just join voice. He can drive while voicing. No, no, we don't want Richard on here because no, no. Oh come on! <laughs> the, the show will go downhill. <laughs> I'm on it. It can't go any further. <laughs> Look at that cocoa pie logo. I do have a uh, a newbie question. Oh, good. Uh, sure. Well, actually, it, yeah, you can you can kill my screen share here. This is kind of related to what you just uh, showed there. What's the definition of a sprite? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Uh, well, hey, maybe we maybe we can have a um, core dump core dump episode. Yeah, just to make it sound official. If you want to, uh, you want if you want to flush out right. that graphic for us, there, Grant. Uh, we'll yeah we'll make this a core dump. Ooh, we'll make this a cool down. I, well, unfortunately, I, I don't have a soundboard, oh. so I can't do the flush in the toilet. But if you want to go run to the toilet real quick and flush <laughs> it while you're, you can. Oh, can you put the graphic up at least? Or All right. Here. The intro? Yeah, yes. Okay. Here we go. Cool down.
there's the very end. <laughs> That's the very end. There we go. All right. Well, uh, th that was Brian asking the question, was it, before? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Brian Brian asked, uh, what is a sprite? He's been hearing this uh, the term sprite and um, with Hugo's new game, of course, he's been developing the sprite graphics. Uh, but yeah, what is a sprite, I guess? Uh, a sprite is a movable object. Um, you have, for example, in, in a game, you'll have your background or whatever the graphics are, and then the objects that move in front of that background, whether it be a laser base or a, you know, a character walking on the screen, is independent of the background. Now, there are some computers like, uh, say, the Commodore 64, which has sprites um, built in as part of the hardware. So in other words, you can define a sprite character stored in memory somewhere. And the sprite only has to be a small matrix. It's not an entire bitmap uh, like the background itself. It's a small area of memory which stores just the, uh, the bytes used in that character. And so it's stored somewhere and then it has uh, registers which specify whereabouts on the screen the video chip in that computer will overlay that sprite completely independent of what's in the background. So the sprite can move around uh, without affecting the background at all. The color computer doesn't have hardware sprites. Um, it only has the background graphics, the bitmap screen. So if we want to create sprites or little movable objects uh, on the screen, uh, we have to use software techniques, uh, techniques whereby uh, in software you need to store the background and, and plot the uh, little sprite on the, the screen and then likewise when it moves we have to restore the background uh, to to then move the sprite. So it's a bit more work to do that on the colour computer. The advantages the color computer has when doing software sprites is that you're not restricted to whatever hardware restrictions the hardware sprites have. Um, like on the Commodore 64, I can't remember, but uh, I think it's a, you can only have four colors in a sprite. On some other computers with hardware sprites, you can only have two colors. So if you look at a lot of old games, uh, older games on some computers, um, the sprites are just one color, for example. They're, they're pretty dull looking. On the color computer, you can have, well, you, you've got no hardware sprites, so everything can be drawn in the full 16 colors. So really, if you create good sprite routines, you can have very colorful um, sprites on the screen. Um, and um, there have been some te techniques um, that people, programmers, have come up with to create sprites uh, that don't take up so much CPU time. Uh, things like the compile sprites um, techniques that a uh, few people have talked about to speed it up, to make up for the fact that the, the sprites are not hardware, uh, in hardware like on, on the 64 or um, uh, some of the Atari, 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 Atari. Spectra video. Yeah, that's right. 
I mean, having it in hardware is, is quicker because the computers, the CPU is not involved in creating the sprites. It's all part of the video chip. So that's the advantage. But, you know, with good software and the fact we've got a 6809 and all that, you can come, you know, you come up with some pretty good um, sprite graphic routines. Computers like the Apple II, they never had sprites either, you know, and there's heaps of games nope. for that. So, yeah. Uh, good software can get around, and, and modern computers that we have nowadays, I, I don't think um, I will. They probably have got some hardware sprites as well nowadays, where they've got all sorts of um, uh, features now in the modern machines. But in so in saying that, the computers are so fast, you can create software sprites on modern machines because they're so fast. You can you can do your own software. Uh, sprites. Uh, you don't need the hardware assisted stuff, but of course the Coco is uh, only runs at 1.79 megahertz. So, in software, it doesn't require good routines to be able to create sprites and the number of sprites. You can create one or two sprites, but as you start adding more sprites, the graphics you know, is, a, is a bit more burden on the CPU. So Nick. the size of the sprites, uh, all that sort of stuff so that, that, that a programmer has to um, take into account, uh, depending on the game as well, um, Nick. to get a good balance of it all. So aren't you, aren't you that's basically, yeah. Example. Aren't you limited but, by memory? Well, uh, or not anymore because not sprites are only small. They don't really use up a lot of memory. I think it's more um, it's more CPU intensive uh, on the color computer. If you don't have hardware sprites, then it's more CPU intensive. So hence the the need to have very optimized routines. And uh, I won't go into it, but you know there've been techniques about compile sprites and and and. Yeah, versus of, masking manually. Yeah, and all the masking and all the other stuff that has been traditionally done with creating software sprites. So there are techniques in there. But yeah, just just getting back to what, you know, the, the original question, what is a sprite? It's really just the movable objects that are placed in front of the background graphics. Um, um, does, does that explain it any uh, very well or...? Yes. No. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. I like. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, there's other aspects to the sprites apart from you know actually creating the sprites, like collision um, detection the, and the collision detection. That's right. So when one sprite hits another on a hardware system, usually there'll be a bit set somewhere. Um, so if that bit zero, then there's no collision. But as soon as that bit, for example, is set to one, then you know you've got a collision. Two sprites are actually touching each other or are being overlaid over each other. So that's handy. And in software on the color computer, we have to create our own type of collision detection within those same software routines. So again, various techniques will, will do that. Some techniques will check every single pixel being drawn by the pixel. So it gets a very pixel accurate collision. But uh, and I've done this uh, quite often. Sometimes you don't need pixel accurate collision. So you only have to just test for a couple of pixels or even just sometimes the position of the, the sprites to see if they are um, 
over each other or, or just the positions are, are, are clashing with each other. And that's how you it, – it all depends on, on your routines, how much speed you need um, for your program. So, yeah, you can do everything that the hardware sprites can do in software. The only problem is, of course, that the software ones do take up more CPU time. So, yeah. Well, just so I understand then, using uh, Stevie's game as an example, would the laser and the ships, each one of those be a sprite that's moving around on the screen? Yes. And, and in, then the in essence, yes. In, yeah, that, he, that's right. He's doing sprites from within basic, I guess. Um, so hence why I guess the game's not super fast and fluid because, well, it's all in basic. But it shows that you can, even in basic, create sprites, movable objects. Uh, you just have the trade-off of speed, of course. And then we, talk about a, then we talk about a collision, it'd be like the laser hitting the ship. Yes, that that's right. That's right. So, yeah, various techniques uh, that you have to do. And then Steve's done a good job in, in, uh, in, in creating the sprites and the collisions uh, from within BASIC. So. Richard uh, says Sprite is a Coca-Cola. Well, yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't have Mountain, View, Mountain Dew available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. That's all I have to say about it. Thank yeah, you, I would say, I would say the same thing. I mean, uh, hardware sprites are usually limited to the number of colors, how many sprites you can have active in the system at once, and the size of the sprites is usually limited on you know certain multiples of yeah. sixteen or something. On the Coco, think... you're doing it slower because you're doing it all with bitmap graphics, kind of faking the hardware. But on the other hand, you have none of those limits. You can make no. as many sprites as you want, as long as you don't mind the frame rate dropping down. You can make the sprites any size you want, any number of colors. Yeah, that's right. The faster the CPU, the the less uh, restrictions you have. You can make your sprites larger. You can make them more colorful if, you're, if, if you've got enough CPU time. So the programmer just has to get a balance uh, of how, how large to make the sprites and how many sprites uh, versus the, uh, the, the amount of CPU time you've got available. On, on hardware systems, those ones that have only, say, limited colors on the sprites, for example, I think uh, a lot of the MSX um, machines have, uh, I think the, the chip they used allowed for 32 independent hardware sprites. The problem is, of course, they can only be two colors, a foreground and a background color. One technique that they use to get more colors in a sprite is by overlaying hardware sprites. So they, for example, get four hardware sprites all overlaid exactly on top of each other, but each of those four sprites have got their own set of colors. Yeah. So it looks like a nice colorful sprite, but in actual fact, there's, you know, four, more, certainly more than one hardware sprite being used to create that multicolor sprite or extra large sprite, you know, just having sprites be next to each other can, you know, double width characters. So, yeah. Yeah, but Hugo actually showed in, when he was doing his tiles there, like he had some of his boss monsters are actually four of his software sprites. Yes, that's right. So you, yeah. you, that's right, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess he writes his routines to be a set a set size, say a Yeah, which means you can 16. optimize them a bit better because you're not... That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And then he just treats everything as if they are multiple sprite, sprites as 
as a hardware system would and just have them drawn um, by joining them together or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And I'll just so, add a bit on the uh, the compiled sprites versus the mask sprites. Like mask sprites okay. read in the background image and then mix the pixels together. It's a fairly CPU intensive thing, but it means you can throw anything on top of anything else. Um, but it's slower. Uh, compiled sprite basically has a bit of intelligence to it because it actually is is code, raw code. It's not a routine you call. It's it's the code, and it only draws the parts of the sprite that actually will light up on the screen because the sprites have rectangular shape. Well, most of your shapes in a game aren't perfect rectangles. Like a spaceship, you know, I might have a lot of blank space at the top at the point of the spaceship and then a wide part on the bottom. Well, that means you technically you don't have to draw those blank bits, you know, around the top part of the ship because it's there's nothing there. It's it's just the background. So a compiled sprite will just skip all that stuff and just draw each of the points individually with raw load stores and just put it on much quicker because it doesn't have to do masking and it doesn't have to draw stuff it doesn't need to draw. It is harder to program because you have to write all these little routines for each individual shape that you have in your game. And uh, it takes a bit more code space too uh, compared to doing a general masking routine you can call with any sprite. But the speed up has been worth it. I mean, some of the fastest games in the Coco 3 have used that technique. I can think of stuff like uh, Crystal City and, and Xenix as two excellent examples that are all compiled sprites. Yeah, that's right. And also, um, I, know, I know when I used to write um, the uh, software sprite routines, the, the, the method was to draw your, your sprites and have them stored somewhere in memory. And then when it was a, a, a matter of, putting them up on the screen, I would copy from, read in the data from where the sprite stored and then write it to where I want it to appear. So there's two operations there. There's read and write. Whereas using compile sprites, you're just writing all the time. You don't have to read any data because you've coded, you've coded the data for that sprite. So you're just writing. So just just doing that saves you a few cycles because you're eliminating the read cycle. Yeah. So yes, compile sprites are pretty well the fastest way to create software sprites on a on well on a color computer or any computer that has just a bitmap uh, no no hardware sprites at all so yep cool now is sprites different from a coco one and two and three it, can you do more no 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 three? no difference at all uh, it's it, you've got the difference in the video chips you know on the gimme you've got 16 colors on the coco one and two you know if you a P mode four. four, you've only got two colors, or a P mode three, you only got four colors. That yeah, so that that doesn't really alter the sprites at all. It just uh, it, it's the hardware restriction of of how many colors and and things you can use on um for, for sprites. But the techniques are still the same. You can still do compile sprites, uh, or the, whatever you had to do on the computer three, you still had it. It's the same on any bitmap machine for that matter. Yeah, the only other difference is, of course, Coco 3 is not twice as fast of a CPU as the Coco 1 and 2. That's right. Coco 3 is a 1.79 megahertz, whereas the Coco 1 and 2 is a 0.89 or something, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's CPU. Uh, That's, again, a separate thing. If the Coco 3 was only 0.89 as well, then, uh, yeah, it's it's exactly the same. The one one other thing I'll throw in, it's not technically part of the sprite, but you can use it for some sprite animation stuff that you don't have in the Coco 1 2, you do have in the Coco 3, is being able to switch the palette registers. So if you have a flame of yeah. a spaceship in three colors, you can rotate them through 
and it'll animate the flame with just taking one store, no matter how many pixels big your flame is, or how many you know uh, graphic images are using flames. You might have like 10 alien ships all with moving flames. And you can do that with simple palette animation, even in basic. So you can do some animations yeah. in, even in basic on the Coco 3 that look a lot more advanced and are a lot quicker than a Coco 1 and 2 because you're not literally redrawing everything. You're just flipping palette registers. I know I did a way back when I tried to do a sort of a basic pole position game on each screen two or three or whatever the heck it is on the Coco 3. And I actually animated the, the red and white stripes on the side just using palette register switching. So it was actually drawing... I drew like you know little chunks, and then I set two in a row to white and two in a row to red, and then rotate those four colors through, and then it looks like your track's moving. I'm not redrawing a darn thing; it's just changing the palette. No, no that's right. Palette, palette, palette animation, though, can, yeah, if it's used properly, can uh, can uh, look quite good. I mean, they used it on Popstar Pilot, that intro screen where you know it, you got that blue checkerboard background that looks like it's a separate background. You know, two layer graphics uh, scrolling in the background. Uh, yeah, well, nothing's moving at all. There, it's just the palette being changed at the right time, and the entire background is color zero, so it's one color. It's a uh, trick. It's yeah. a trick. Yeah, that's right. Your, your water is. sequence too, and your your moving bars in level four pop star. Yeah, old. yeah, they're, they're all those are um, they're they're tricks, and a lot of the tricks like in um, Sockmaster's bouncing ball demos, um, that looks like a huge sprite, of course, bouncing on this uh, uh, on this colored background. background. But yeah, that one's all smoke and mirrors. There's nothing moving there at all. Really? So, yeah. No, nothing. No. No. I that two layer two graphics. Layers. No, it's. But, uh, that, well, like any magician, you know. I mean, the magic isn't real. It's just how you how you can create that illusion. So yeah, it's all a, a, a magic. It's uh, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Do you know how many people you just? So who uses sprites the best? Sorry. Like Apples or Ataris? I mean, who Apples are done the, the same best? way. It's just all straight. Yeah, it's, it's all the same. So really, which CPU is faster and which computer can do more colors, I guess. I mean, that's separate to being able to create sprites. Obviously, if you've only got two colors available, the sprites are going to look a lot more boring than one that's got 256 colors, for example. Yeah. Uh, now, Mark and Ron, you both were saying something there, so we'll just take turns there. Uh, Ron, what was your comment? I can't remember now. Oh, just that, uh, you know, I'm not a programmer, so to find out that, you know, some of this stuff is like tricks, uh, mirrors, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing. It's like Santa Claus isn't real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a shock. What? <laughs> what? His whole world is shattered. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the, 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 the scheme is, is that you use whatever hardware tricks on whatever platform you're on. That's right. So you use sprite hardware with multi-layer sprites to get multiple colors of the sprites and for two colors, like, so like Nick said. You, you would use palette switching on the Coco 3 to animate stuff, all kinds of things. So go ahead, Ron. They're, they're flipping, you know, the background is just moving because of flipping instead of it's programming. Motion. It, uh, it's oh, you're doing the switching. Yeah. Yeah. He's just switching the which palettes are set to what as it's scrolling down the screen, which line like it's watching on. Watching water ripple. I, yeah. I yeah. can't remember what the technique's called, but like they use the lights where they sequence like five lights in a row and then they go back to the first one. And if you have a continuous string of them, it looks like they're all moving along. But they're yeah. not. Oh. Like, 
like uh, Rick is demonstrating his LED stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah. like Rick's LED stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying that just you just you know totally ruined a whole bunch of people's day. They just <laughs> <laughs> not nearly. Not nearly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like you know, you know Santa Claus. Well, from What's a pro, for a programmer. Sorry. Remember that? Oh. I don't know. Jason was saying something, hey, but um, for a programmer, that that's the fun about programming something. You know, that's where you get something that is not possible, uh, and trying to find out these little illusions or ways of creating illusions uh, to make the impossible look possible. Yeah, uh, that's the fun. I mean, it, it, if it was possible, if the hardware had features that did this already, well, what's the fun in that? You know, I'm big deal. Uh, but to get something and make it look like it's possible when it's not, that's the challenge. You know, it's it it's people love to see these sort of ma this magic happening, and uh, programmers love it for their ego. You know, it's just great. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I did. <laughs> and there's a, there's a ton of these you can do. I mean, like one trick I used to use in basic games, um, like there's a couple ways you can animate to make it look smooth. Like you're not getting that flicker where you're blanking out where your sprite is going and then you'd redraw it and you get this flickering on yeah. off. It's like a haze. Um, you can use page flipping where you draw everything on the second one. That's what Steve's using in Cosmic Aliens where he's basically yeah. you know, doing it off off screen. Another trick I use is I would have my get put shape if I'm moving a ship on the bottom of the screen, say left and right. Well, rather than having to wipe out the ship and then redraw it and then wipe out the ship and redraw it, I just have my get put buffers wider than the actual shape is. Yeah. And I have blank on both sides and I restrict the movement so you can't get right to the edge of each side of the screen, which the player barely notices anyway. And then when you redraw it, as long as you're, you have enough blank space on each side that matches the amount of pixels you're moving, like say I'm moving four pixels at a time, I would have four blank pixels on each side as part of the get put buffer. Then I just put. If I want to move left, I just put it left four pixels. I don't have to erase anything, nothing. I just overdraw it. And that's fast enough and flicker free enough that it looks like it's moving smoothly. And I'm not taking extra memory getting a buffer and then putting it back or redrawing the background. I'm not doing any of that. I just draw over top every time. So and you're well, moving the pointer. So you're moving a pointer to what shows up on the screen and to the pointer. Yeah, to just changing the X Y position. Just put, put, put. You're put, effectively put. just writing. You're not yeah. reading anything. It's kind of like compiled sprites you're, like you're mentioning. Yeah, you're just writing yeah. the parts you need. Just writing. You don't it have to read on the background. Yeah. If you don't, yeah. If you have a detailed background that has to stay static, though, then yeah, that that's a bit more complicated. Yeah. But that's where I I wrote games that were more suited for the hardware. I would just make yeah. sure my game didn't have any background in that area where your player ship is, and then nobody notices that it's it just looks faster and smoother. Yeah. So this is techniques and things that came later by experience rather than looking in the book and saying you can do this to make that look. Like you're saying. Well, the book, the book, most books, like if you're reading an assembly language book, they don't really talk about the techniques. Uh, they tell you about how to how to program, how to use what the, the command can do, or what command. Yeah, exactly. But the techniques, there really isn't a book anything that talks about techniques as such that I'm aware of. Um, there, are, there are a few, but they were labeled as you know color computer graphics or something like that. Where they yeah, they're very basic stuff, but you sort of learn those things and all you discover them as time goes on but it's yeah. nothing written it's all something that experience gives you well, well, they, or you I mean, talk to somebody else right yeah you either yeah. talk or someone or may have have a, a wiki that explains it i mean I, or I, magazine I articles is, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I know there is a good wiki about the compiled sprites. Uh, I forget who it was that put it up, but you know those sort of things. You go do the Pac-Man transcode. He had his. Yes, that's right. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Glenn. Yeah, he has a very good description on the um, compile sprites for anyone who wants to understand it more. So yep. we're seeing Steve, pretty much his progression of how he went is pretty much how, Yeah, you yep. know, somebody goes from, oh, I didn't know you can do that. Oh, you know, I didn't know. You well, Steve's a good example. I mean, he's got the, um, the sprites there in basic. And of course, when you're uh, erasing and redrawing in basic, that's going to flicker like crazy. And that's what he had at the, at the very beginning. Right. That then led to, okay, there must be a better way to do it. And, he knows that there's double buffering is used a lot in machine language games. So how can I do double buffering in basic? And uh, yeah, he's got, he's got a double buffering uh, uh, technique in basic. And his game is pretty well flicker free. I mean, it's yeah, still slow because it, it's basic, but he's eliminated. Well, that's right. Yeah. How about that so, other guy with the cats game? Did he benefit too from? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Uh, well, he came on. To, he had those problems uh, originally with all the flicker, and he came on to um, the um, core dump episode. We discussed a few ideas, and he went away, and he got it fixed. And yeah, it's 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 working quite well. So there's always a way. That's the beauty of computers. There isn't just one way to do things. There are various techniques and stuff that you can do depending on what it is you're trying to do. It can vary. So that that. That's where the fun of programming is, finding a solution to a problem in the best uh, way you can, uh, whether it be faster or whether it be easier or whatever. That's that's a challenge. It's like doing it's like a puzzle. Art. It's like that's art. Right. There's no wrong way to do it, but there's that's there are right. slightly better and better ways for your personal use. Exa exactly. It, it's like doing a puzzle. People who do cross – I can't stand crossword puzzles, but, you know, people who love crosswords have got the patience to sit there and, and nut it all out. Yeah, that's the same skill. But you know what? It seems to me like uh, experience accounts for a whole lot. Oh, it does. Um, I've often I mean, said that um, programming is a – well, programming games is an evolutionary thing. You know, you write yeah. one game and it's totally crap. The first one is is bad. It'll flicker. It'll be slow. But that's normal. Okay, you then go from that and you say, okay, what's bad about it? Let's see if we can find out a method whereby we can improve on it. So the next game will be better. And uh, and the next one after that will be better. It's just as you as you progress, you are getting better. Yep. That's why Popstar Pilot's like the 10th iteration of... Uh, well, that's right. I mean, <laughs> that's right. But you can't stop and say, oh, gee, Popstar Pilot, what a great game. That Nick's a genius. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the ultimate. Taken, you can never beat that. Yeah, That's right. Well, it has taken the damn 30 years to do that. <laughs> and there's still room for more, you know. I mean, some of the stuff that I see Sockmaster doing, you know, still blows my mind. So there's always room for improvement. Really makes me want to jump into a 30-year thing. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, um, you, you you try to bite off as much as you can choose. Like my first few games that I did internally here back in the early '80s were adventure games because they weren't speed dependent, and I didn't know how to do fast graphics. But I did use graphics, and I did come up with what I thought at the time were innovative routines. Like 
an mm. adventure game usually is a bunch of strings in an array. Like here's a description of room five and another part of the array tells you that room five, you can go north here and you can go east here and you can't go any other direction. Why well, I decided to make a graphic version of that and I just made a second string. So I had the room description saying you're in a, a blue room with rocks on the floor or something like that. And then I would actually have the draw statement string as a second part of that string and it would actually draw a little representation on the screen which for you know at the time i thought well this is really innovative because it was a way to add, add graphics to an adventure game without having to do much extra coding at all i just you know was draw that drawstring on the screen and it kind of all linked up to the rooms automatically so it was easy to add to they were in the same so, spots in the array so whatever you're indicating yeah. 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 So it just it just drew it instantly so that was that was kind of a nice thing and i quite, quite liked that i was quite i thought it was quite innovative <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you, you, there's always things to learn, better ways of doing things, new new um, tricks that uh, are, are just around the corner that you know light, light up a light bulb in your head and then you yeah. know, away you go. And that's the rush you get programming when you, you've been pounding your head against the wall trying to get something <laughs> to work. Right. And then you that's go right. off and you do something else for a week or two because you're just getting frustrated and all of a sudden just bang out of nowhere. Oh, bang. Wait, I could try this. That's you right. Try it, and then it, you know, all of a sudden your game's doubled in speed or something, or the flicker's gone, or, or whatever the case may be. And you talk to somebody the, and they say something, and they go, "Oh yeah, have you tried this?" Well, not or even that. Know. Sometimes it just comes on your own. You just oh yeah, sometimes well, it comes on, yeah. You step away, a lot, and all of a sudden your brain kicks in. It's it's strange. Well, you spend so much time trying to solve a problem that you're so focused in on this, trying to solve this problem, uh, you're not. Your head's not in a in a space whereby it's looking out of the box. Uh, you're just stuck in the box, and you just can't get an answer. So uh, it's happened to me many times. I'll say, "Okay, shut down, go to sleep." In the morning, by the time I wake up, I don't know what it is. Have I been dreaming about the problem? Because I wake up and I say, "Oh, why don't I, why don't I just do that?" Bang! There's the solution. Yep. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> That that is exactly up, what happens. Well, that you happens bang your head so long. Yeah, you know, uh, you get yourself stuck in a rut for so long if you're yeah. stuck on the same thing. You, you get it's stuck in that a, box, and then all of a sudden you find out I should have been in a rectangle, not a box. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so that, do you guys ever go and uh, look at other programs that have been written that are similar and try to like take it apart a little bit and look at it and figure it out, or is this all? Something you just sit some people do. I, I've never really pulled apart any other one, anyone else's programs. I look at the end result, uh, and uh, I just try to nut it out my own way. Other people do pull other people's code apart, but I've never been in, into that. I've always preferred to try work it out myself, so I understand it fully. Um, Whereas I'm I'm more the op more the opposite probably because of Nitrous Nine because we're trying to like we disassembled the entire operating system and all the third party drivers et cetera et cetera, and then started recoding it for a new chip. So I mean we did a lot of the ripping people stuff apart, and sometimes we'd go, oh wow, that's a neat technique. I never thought of that. Yeah. And then you start incorporating your own code after that, and then in other cases you'd be taking a look and go, oh, I already know a better way of doing that than this guy did, so I'll I'll add that in as a speed up while I'm you know optimizing it for the six three zero nine. So I've I've done both. Um, yeah. Now, does Sprite work the same in uh, OS 9 and Nitrous 9? Well, it depends on how you're doing it. If you're doing it through, um, quote-unquote, legal display codes, it's just like running get put buffers. Now, we have optimized those in Nitrous 9, so they're faster than Disk Basics by quite a large margin. So you can do more sprites, software sprites in Basic 9 than you can under Disk Basic. 
Uh, machine language wise, it would be the same same way you're doing with uh, Nixon stuff. You would just map the screen in and start drawing it directly, which is what like stuff like Thexter does or Shanghai or Smash or a few of the other games for OS nine. Cool, Brian. Did I answer more than you needed? Have we beat this to death? No, it's very interesting, though. Very interesting how it all kind of comes together because a lot of times we're just enjoying the end result of, uh, of your labors. And it's kind of interesting to, you know, like use the example of like a magician, you know, to go be able to stand behind the sage and see how the, the magic is done. Mm. Yep, yeah, very good. I, I think one thing that came up during this discussion that I well, actually we haven't really talked about is, is what, what motivates a programmer. And there's two main motivations that I have. Nick, you, you can add to this uh, if I've not covered something. But the main motivation for me is to get that feedback from the public if they really like what you're doing, or sometimes even if they're you know dissing you or whatever, or giving you suggestions for improvements. And then the other thing is, is those rushes you get when you have a problem that you just can't solve for a few days and you come back to it a week later and all of a sudden, bang, you, you solved it. And those are the two biggest rushes I get from programming. I don't yeah, know, is that yeah. same you, Nick, or do you have I, other ones that also? Oh, m mine is solely ego and all the money, you know? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I have stuff like that when I do my artwork. Because, you know, somebody Don't forget the Ferraris. Ferraris are important. <laughs> somebody gives me a challenge to do something. You know, you'll sit there and think about how you might want to do it, and you get started on it, and then maybe uh, it just doesn't look that well, and you're not motivated much. So it's better to put it down and go back to it. When you go back to it, it you just carry on, and you have ideas and things come to you better. It happens like that with me. Yeah, I, I know it. My old, the old company I used to work at. We had a programming department. We had a pre-press department, and you know the pre-press department was considered to be the artistic side, and we were you know the engineering style side. I don't view programming as a strictly engineering. I view it as a mix of art and engineering. You have yes. to have a lot of technical knowledge, yes, but there is an artistic side. Like like you said, you can program things fifteen ways from Sunday, and what might work for you might not work for the next person. But there is an artistic side where you're interpreting how to get this computer to do something you want in a way that you came up with. It doesn't have to be the same as say Steve Bjorks or Nick's or Sockmasters. You can still accomplish the same thing, but in such a myriad of ways that it is an artistic endeavor. It's not just an engineering endeavor. And I think some people lose sight of that and just think you know, you have to, you know, learn all about the chips inside and out and all this kind of stuff, which you do have to do some of that too. There is some engineering aspects to it, but there is an artistic side that I think a lot of people don't mention. No, yeah, no, no, it is both. Don't you think, uh, the eight-bit machines we have are more lean, more toward that rather than, you know, a large computer with unlimited memory and all the help you need. In, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I mean, I think you adapt the artistry to the platform you're on. So if you're running on a modern three gigahertz machine with hardware 3D acceleration, your creativity shifts to what graphics are you drawing and, and what is the plot of the game and that kind of thing. You're still having an artistic side. It may so not be as much on the programming side. You're still going to push limits with that architecture. Yeah. You know, you're going to do more than, or what you think you can do more than. What's yeah. Real. I mean, your, 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 your starting point is a lot higher on those machines. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've got 3d texture mapping and ray tracing and everything else that you can do all kinds well, of fancy stuff. You wouldn't even try to do in an eight bit, but. Now the latest frontier is of course, all the VR stuff on the modern stuff. Yeah. So your, your, your starting point is way higher with these higher uh, platforms, yeah. but the creativity of how you can use these, you know, baseline stuff that's way higher changes so that you're being artistic at that level, not down on the, you know, how do I draw a pixel on the screen or how do I draw a sprite? 
but they both have artistry. It just shifts where your artistry is focused on in that particular game. You're not worried about the low level, how do I draw a sprite on the screen? You're worried about how can I get a nice explosion effect with refracting light on all the debris that's flying around type thing while the camera's spinning or something. You know, your, your artistry just goes into different parts of the game. The artistry, artistry side of things is what really motivates me a lot initial, initially to get me going. I mean, I remember back in the day when you know, I was a kid, I'd go to the arcades, um, not to play games, but to watch other people play games. Because I used to love just watching all the graphics and all the animation on the screen. If, if you're playing it, I'm, I'm, I'm concentrating on you know my own survival on the game. But if you sit back and watch other people w- play it, then you can appreciate all the rest of the graphics. And that's, that's what grabbed me, uh, um, creating yep. that entire artistic uh, um, um, presentation, I guess. It's almost like a movie. I've, I've often used to say that writing a game is like creating a movie except that it's a movie that you control. You know, you've got a joystick and you decide whether you'll go left or go right or whether, you, you know, who you shoot and all that. It's it's almost like a movie. There's a, there is a plot to it as well. So, yeah, I, I tend to look at it as, as artistry, I guess, looking at the whole movie, the yeah. finished movie. I, I totally and agree. Then, and the other thing you get when you're watching somebody else plays, you get to watch stuff like Stevie Rage Quit, which is just amusing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's the human interaction as well that's interesting. Yeah. That's that's the movie that went off the rails. Well, and Ken makes, <laughs> that's right. Ken makes a good point. Um, where was it? Uh, in the chat here. Uh, typing basic programs out of the rainbow back in the day could teach a lot without even noticing it. Thank you, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. I, I know the first time I ever saw like the the, the micro or the uh, extended basic manual did not mention the fact that put in in standard color basic on the Coco One and Two actually had a fast put option. If you didn't use G, you could actually put it as a block copy as opposed to individual mm. pixel maxing. And and literally on large wide shapes, it could be literally ten to twenty times faster. And if you just followed the manual strictly, you wouldn't know that even existed. No. And then Rainbow published an article, and I, I wish I could, I'll have to find it at some point because I did want to make that as part of the basic series with Stevie. But I had a little uh, UFO. was kind of an oval white outline with orange in the middle. It was a P mode 4 artifact and graphic. And it was probably, I don't know, 32 pixels wide or 40 or 50 or something. It was a fairly large shape. And they drew it with the standard get put, and you can watch it kind of ripple across. as It's going up the screen and then going diagonally up in a corner. And it took like 20 seconds to get it up under the top. Then they did it with the fast put option, which is undocumented in the original manuals. And it took literally four seconds to do the exact same thing. And it was way faster, way smoother, less flicker, no ripple. So that kind of stuff you'd learn from magazines or nowadays you'd probably find on somebody's blog or or wiki page or something. But yeah, there's still stuff you can learn. Yeah. Or somebody like James takes it apart and figures it out and then figures out how to improve it. (laughs) Catches the basic. (laughs) Right. Have Have we blown this out of the water now? (laughs) rights <laughs> <laughs> to you know programming principles and the fact that it's an actual artistic endeavor not just an engineering endeavor which i think is yeah. a good point I, I, yeah 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 well it's a core dump episode so we're meant to yeah, we can dump whatever we want yeah we can dump all we all we're missing is the actual dump sound <laughs> <laughs> all right let me go ahead and play a couple commercials here all we'll right. be right back so if we need to go take a break go right ahead Where's the rum?
gotta love that E2. <laughs> Imagine a different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco forever. definitely earned this office. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. <clears throat> you want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt-reality OS9 module? <laughs> <laughs> it's only a 40 years past due, but yeah, sure. Switcheroo. Use your Coco with a modern display. Go from RGB to composite with just the flip of a switch. Coco3scartcable.com Sorry, I couldn't hit the button quick enough. <laughs> There's medicine for that. <laughs> um, Mark, are you able to screen share that cartoon you put in Discord? Because that's a perfect summary of what how debugging oh, sometimes works. Sure, sure. One moment. We were kind of discussing that earlier too, so I think Nick would get a good kick out of it. I'm yeah, reading. I saw that. I saw that on Facebook. Somebody posted it up on Facebook. It was great. Uh, <laughs> do you need a screen yeah, share? Yeah, one moment. Mark? Let me get it loaded in my browser it? first. All right, yeah, it's it's a four-panel cartoon that perfectly describes how debugging <laughs> works. <laughs> okay, let's see. No matter what language you're doing it in. Jason, don't run that red light. It's green. <laughs> <laughs> that working? No, well, I can see, but you just covered yeah, it up yeah, with your chat. Yeah, you just covered it up with Did your... I? Did I? Okay, sorry. Okay, there you are. So your brain and you talking at like three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. No, shut up. That that <laughs> happens so often in real life. Us. Yep. Those OCD people. Don't want to read that audio version. What's it's that? Post Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead, Mark. If, if anybody wants to see it, it's I posted it in Software Dev on Discord, so you can follow them. All right. Yeah. <laughs> for the audio listeners, there, I'll kind of describe it. It's it's got a picture of the person's brain talking to the person. The person's in bed trying to get to sleep at three in the morning, whatever. Brain goes, "Hey, are you sleeping?" And yes, please shut up now. And then goes, "I know how to fix that bug on line two hundred and fifty-five." 
And then, of course, now the person's wide awake because they, <laughs> you know, the, they might forget it by morning. So they better go do it right now, no matter what time. It is. <laughs> and that describes it perfectly. Okay, her eyes are bugging out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Okay, how do I get my thing back so I can stop screen sharing now? <laughs> I think at the very top of the screen you should have a stop oh, sharing. Right. Yeah, there's a I think a pull down or something. So, ah, <laughs> now I got a floating window. So. Mark, you haven't <laughs> learned to hit the buttons just right yet. That's what she said. Oh. No, we're all still trying to learn Skype. Okay. One of those two-layer windows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim's trolling now. It's me. Okay, there's the Skype chat. Oh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, my my window totally disappeared. I mean, my uh, my. Uh, Zoom window went away. I have like a floating window, but I don't. Yeah, I have the same issue with mine. Normally I have a big window. Now I have a little window and it doesn't have hardly any controls. <laughs> ah, well, I know one way I can do it. I can just kill the stupid thing. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, it's floating <laughs> over. I got some of my other monitor. That's why. Ah, there's stop share. There we go. Uh, hey, we're here. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Just All right, cool. Did anybody else have anything else they want to share this today? Or have we beat this one to death? I'll keep an eye out for uh -huh. Nick's blog. He's doing an update here sometime this week, hopefully. Yeah, I yeah. I posted a link earlier when he was mentioning it in uh, the acquisition projects. Oh, Ron, you're muted. Okay, have you guys ever heard uh, the Brandenburg um, Concerto or whatever they call it on the Cocoa yeah. 3? Oh, is this going to be a Ron's yeah, garage? Just, yeah, we do it. You want to run the thing? Yeah, let All me right. run the. Let me run it's it. Here. Let's make this a professional show, show yeah. as Steve always says. I start now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got Ron's garage right, up it. now. Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. it's already up. Here we go. This is the uh, Coco SDC Media Player version point two. That's Ed Snyder's, right? Yes, and I have it hooked up to my. Uh, Oh, hold on here. Back up here. What is this? The Coco SDC Media Player. With the Brandenburg Concerto. Basically MP3s uh, that are re-done huh. into this is... a CSM file. Yeah. CSM is yeah. a custom format that Ed came up that, that uses the new streaming feature in the SDC where you can tell the SDC, you just start sending me data and I'll just throw it to whatever graphics or right. sound port or whatever. So we can do it at really high speed. Where, where do we get this? Sorry, what was that, Grant? Where do we site. get this at? Yeah. Okay. I have the link. Okay. I can post it. But yeah, yeah if you have that. a Coco PSG and a Coco SDC, then you can You're all it. set. Yep. And uh, I have the Orchestra CC card. Oh, nice. And it's plugged so stereo. in to a iHome, um, you know, audio system. And Pretty here right. here we go. Oh, baby. Let it rock. <laughs> Was that it? <laughs> <laughs> that like a toilet flush. Amazing. Can you hear it? Nope. Oh, you couldn't because it's the sound. Hang on. So that's not an MP3. That's uh, that's probably a from a web or, or something. It's a, well, you convert uh, it to a native MP3. format that's meant to stream on the uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
It's an MP3. And they well, get, he has a converter. You can convert it. But anyways, uh, there it yeah, is. The, the final the final result's not an MP3 because that's way yeah, too Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I mean, yeah. Uh, it plays video. I have a video on there, and it does um, <laughs> they have the almost the whole um, Coco Crew podcast on it. Huh. Yeah, the big advantage of his player versus the play command I did for Nitrous 9 is that... Uh, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> nice shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's the... Uh... The Pride Coco shirt. <laughs> Animal cracker. You're taking a bite out yeah, of I'm it. I'm hungry for Animal cracker. Yeah, so it's really cool. Stuff we never thought we'd ever do on our little Coco. On our little yeah. Coco. Sorry about that. I'm I had to wait for the phone to answer. That's so I was going to mention that uh, Ed's, Ed's has the advantage. He's using the streaming feature in the SDC. So basically he tells the SDC, you can take like a file that's a gig long or you know, many multiple megabytes and you stream it a byte at a time to me and I'll deal with it as if it's a video, if it's sound or whatever. And it just continuously runs at a high speed. The play command I did actually loads it into the Coco's RAM as one solid file that it then plays directly from. So I'm much more limited on the size. But basically, you use the same style technique for playing. Like in the case of the Coco Talk uh, theme song I did there, it's a 1.8 meg WAV file, and it just basically dumps that out to the port at 11 kilohertz. Cool. <laughs> I want 44 uh, kilohertz. Jim from Retro, mm -hmm. from Retro Innovations just said, Coco Talk, where people can talk for hours on sprites but can't use a new game. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Hey Mark, what's this? Um, uh, ma the ma'am, uh, was it you? Ubuntu. What? Mame. Yeah, mame. But what's this UB tube that you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, Ubuntu. Oh, Ubuntu. Oh. Are Are you serious? That's my first. <laughs> it's Ubuntu, you dingleberry. <laughs> Uh, it's only probably one of the most popular Linux distributions around. I don't use Linux, so I have no That's idea what that problem. is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Real men use Windows. Uh, yeah, I use um, work no. and I curse it every day. Uh, I also I use Mac <laughs> and Linux. I think Steve isn't here. And do you have an MC10 holding that window up? No, I have some, I have uh, ZX81s for that. <laughs> Same thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be a Sinclair? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. ZX80 or ZX81, either one will work. Depends what color you're trying to match with your Windows. So. Yeah, I really should have the ZX80 because only Windows are white, you know. Hey, Ron, uh, what you should do is while you're playing those uh, sound files, you should have the uh, audio spectrum analyzer on your uh, Coco One there next to it playing. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, that'd be quite kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of like Coco Sound Inception at that point. <laughs> on my Coco. Oh, should, there's a real thing. Should just have Ed build the spectrum analyzer right into his player. That'd be cool. Yeah, actually, I don't know how much CPU time he's got left because I can't remember what sampling rate he's using on his i mean the wav 
file player I've got can play a 44 kilohertz WAV file. Now, mind you, those take a lot more memory, so they're, you know, you can't as long have as long of a sample. That's one of the reasons I use 11 kilohertz was to fit the entire thing into two meg. And if you're doing stereo, of course, that takes more too. And and the or the player does support uh, stereo. In fact, that I recorded that particular thing at uh, in mono just to fit it into meg, but it does support eight bits. So if you have the Orchestra 90 card installed and you run play with the dash o option it'll actually will convert from six to eight bit samples so it plays a little bit better quality yep neat hmm. cool anything yeah. else <laughs> all right have we beat this one how many death? people are watching uh, us on uh, youtube at the moment 25 i feel sorry for them <laughs> wow. um, 25 people yep. Hey, David, we need some floppy talk. You That'll get rid of them. <laughs> no, I don't have anything interesting right now. Not until I can start getting back in the rhythm of working on Coco stuff. Hey, look, the numbers just climbed. <laughs> I actually went and checked. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, David. We want to double the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anything to say. Well, here they come. <laughs> cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. Well, let me go ahead and run one more commercial here, and then we will go ahead and wrap this show up then. It's a wrap. And Jim will be happy. Right. We'll be. No, no, no. We're going to make this an extra long outro today, just for Jim. And Jim's never happy, so. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. No, he's not. We will return after these messages. This is for you again, David. But I can't hear it. Well, David, you're famous. The new Tandy 1000, complete with desk-made oh, software for easy-to-use word processing, filing, I don't think I've ever seen this commercial. <laughs> Brought to you by Tandy, clearly superior for service. I was so excited when I sleep with Brandon Burton. Available at Radio Shack Computer Centers and so forth. So, that commercial, I was just waiting for him to rage, quit, and turn into the Hulk. Yeah. Uh -oh. No, not uh -oh. it. Uh -oh. <laughs> All right, we're back. <laughs> For some reason, we have a little delay. When I push the button, it doesn't stop. Your computer's not fast. All right, enough. guys. 
Hey, I don't suppose uh, Jim Brain uh, can come on and tell us the uh, current status of his uh, dual CPU cartridge or his uh, um, mem board or whatever. I don't, I don't know if he's uh, listening right now and just jump on and he's lurking. Give us an update. Chat. He's he's lurking in the chat. Jim, can you come and join us and give us an update or? We'll see if he joins. I'm hoping once I'm out of my work rush season, which unfortunately got extended this weekend, that uh, <laughs> I can actually start helping uh -oh. do some driver code for that stuff too. Yeah, well, that's uh, good because I need your help too. On what? <laughs> you know what? Uh oh. <laughs> no, I don't oh, actually. <laughs> and just as well. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a problem. We don't have. I'm listening, just lurking. I take that as a no. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'd say that he's not able to join then. Darn it. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I do see that's a, that's a problem. We have a lot of hardware, but we don't have enough people making programs for this, for it. So It will come. If you build it, they will come. Build it, and they will come. Okay, Jim, oh. you can't get in voice yeah, right Jim. now. You'll have to chat about it another time, so that's, that's fine. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Anybody uh, have any parting thoughts or... Anything they would like to say before we... Certainly. <laughs> okay, David, go right ahead. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today, and I hope you've learned something educational from our discussions today, and we hope to see you next time. And we hope that, you know, Dave can turn his mic down just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, my eardrums are bleeding now. <laughs> Stevie's back. He says, you guys are still talking. Yep. We the still show, keep on going. We're just like the energy, buddy. Keep going art. and going and going. <laughs> this, this show I'm sorry, Ron, what did you say? Yeah, it's pretty abstract, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. It's made up of artists. Look at all the colors. <laughs> yeah. Our show yeah. is a work of art like, you know, uh, elephants blowing paint in front of an airplane, airplane propeller onto a sheet of paper. <laughs> well, we know what you watch <laughs> on Facebook now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Not YouTube, but yeah. Oh. It's like Excuse Picasso me. on drugs. <laughs> yeah i don't I, I'm, I'm hoping ah. if, if if work dies down it was supposed to start dying down this weekend that didn't happen yet um actually got busier for some stupid reason but it's i'm still near the tail end of my rush season so i'm hoping with the next two weeks that i'll uh i know i said this last week too that i'll be back <laughs> on to getting more time to actually doing cocoa stuff and start you know, working on eou again because i do want to get a new release out in october there's a couple major bug fixes i want to get in there i want to get some extra features in there too so Sierra games would be nice. That's in the planning stages. I kind of know what I have to do to fix that. So, what do you have to do to fix it? I just thought you just have to. Well, add it, don't you? I think I've kind of explained this before, but uh, any of the games that are based on the VDG screen, the 32 column screen, the native windowing mm -hmm. system in G Shell, when it's launching an external program, doesn't have a clue that exists and it has to set up a little bit differently to do that properly. So the way people had made it so you could launch those types of games on G Shell and MultiView before is they'd write a little preloader program for each individual game that would then you know change the window over to a VDG screen and then run it from there. But you had to customize it for every single one. So if you had 20 Sierra games, you had to write 20 little loader programs. And if you wanted to do Fractalus and Cronus, you had to make loader programs for those. And it's a pain in the butt. And I want to change G Shell so that you can just tell it in the little AIF file, the little thing you edit with a text editor to link an icon and where to run it from and all that kind of stuff. I want it so that G Shell can natively handle those. And that's right. what I'm going to be working on. So it'll just be easy. You won't have to write these stupid little preloader programs anymore. Please. So, of use. 
So yeah. these games do work because uh, I don't know if you've got yes. it in your you, know, you but you've got to go. But you've got to set up the screen yeah, right, yeah. And the directory's right, and that's not ease of use. That's so, right. You're trying to make it so G shell just click on an icon and away. And go. Goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what we want. Right. All that black magic. Black yeah. magic. Everything's magic. Cool. All the engineering crap to make it look artistry, so you that's can just right. click and run. Yeah. So smart and nerd. And are you uh, going to be able to help uh, Jim Breen with the uh, Coco Flash project as well, too? Uh, you have to refresh my memory. What was the issue there? I don't even remember. Uh, make it easier to, to add and remove ROMs to the Coco Flash. Okay. Um, is there existing software <laughs> right, something done? Or? That, am I explaining that correctly? Sounds like there needs to be an ease of use utility. Yeah, because right now it is definitely not ease of use. Okay. <laughs> there, there is a utility that's set for certain things but not everything right it's not i mean it's it's a it's a it's a project just to add and remove things to the coco flash and i know that uh david and i have been working on it and uh yeah we definitely need some help oh, was that, that the project that david was talking about <laughs> oh okay correct I, well that might be no that's the same it's one not. that's one that oh uh -oh. it's related to okay. uh timeout routines oh your driveway stuff yes Apparently, I'm going to be busy when I'm right. off-season here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, there's not enough programmers. We need more programmers in this community. <laughs> a lot of hardware, but not enough programmers. Yeah, be, literally, that's a complete flip from 10, 20 years ago, where we had tons of software coming up, but no new hardware. Or very you know, very little new hardware. Well, you can ask Curtis. I can do some stuff. It's just that my brain's just missing something on my situation, so... Was that plural? Brains? Did you say two? <laughs> We've always thought that, but you know, we just weren't quite sure. You've removed all that. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, anybody else have anything before I run the uh, outro? Uh, Brian, do you have anything you want to say before we close? No, this has been a great show. Enjoyed it. Don't forget the retro challenge. Follow cool. all the people. Yep, that's true. Deadline's the end of September, right? And we've no. got a few people participating already. I think, Mark, you're doing working on your network thing again, and then somebody else is yep. doing an adventure game for the MC10. Uh, yeah, Dave, Dave, uh, Davey uh, Mitchell is uh, working. Do you want to explain to everybody what the retro oh, challenge yeah, is? Yeah, sure, since uh, I'm involved. Um, yeah, basically, a guy from England, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. I'd have to think about it. Uh, set up this retro challenge. Basically, take up uh, doing something on retro gaming or retro computer equipment. Uh, at least 10 years old for um, arcade uh, games or consoles and you know, pretty much any old computer like what we hang out with it would qualify it could be anything it could be reorganizing your library or you know backing up discs for you know storage on archive.org or whatever or, or writing new software and uh, john linville runs it now uh, has the website retrochallenge.org and uh, there's about uh, 15 people i think that are working on various things so davey mitchell's working on an adventure game in text uh, i'm working on my network game stuff um brett um had uh, pr uh, presented a couple of years ago. He wrote a, a basically a thermal global nuclear war game, global thermal nuclear war game that used the IRC server to synchronize all the clients. Which was yeah, so you had Coco playing a network game cool. to up to yeah. eight players or something like that, if I remember. Uh, I think cool. he had four in testing when I talked to him. So, and it had it was kind of uh, you know he said it was kind of tenuous to get it to work and be continued you know, because of those lags with IRC and stuff. Anyway, but yeah, I'd like to see him redo that and use a um, more dedicated server, see if you get a little bit better, uh, you know, time constraints. But, and some of the yeah. stuff like Dave has been fiddling with for doing, you know, 
network communication from a Cocoa directly without mm -hmm. needing a drive wire server. I'd like to see some stuff based on that as well. Yes, that'd be another good one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm just working on a base, trying to do a basic network game. I've got uh, network stuff for the Commodore 64 and the Cocoa and the Apple too. So trying to come up with something simple game and have at least three clients. So anyway. Cool. Sounds yeah, like fun. Be. You'll probably never see me enter one of those. Uh, not because I don't, well, I'm doing retro stuff all the time, but I just don't have the time or patience to blog. <laughs> and that's a requirement. <laughs> like Nick, Nick, Nick's good at it. He can write concise bits and, and explain everything he's doing. And I just, I'm just busy hacking crap together and making a mess. So I just don't have time for that. Mark, do you have a, do you have a blog? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, it's uh, retrochallenge.markoberholzer.com. I can post a link in here though. Uh, and there's some links on there to uh, some of the others, including, you know, I have Davey Mitchell's Twitter. I don't think I have his blog on there yet, but I can do that. So on the left side of my Drupal site, there's uh, there's uh, some links to some of the other people. Brett's old uh, one as well. And there's a prize, too. Like, this isn't just for show. This, oh, you yeah. actually get something if you win. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matteo, who's in Italy, uh, he, he won one of, D, uh, one of uh, Stevie's uh, DVD collections a couple of years ago. A new car. <laughs> donated by nick from all of his pop star sales excess <laughs> ferraris. Uh, ferraris hey i got a question um can you uh control a uh, keyboard with a color computer if it's midi it oh like a midi interface yeah. yeah yeah you can even do that through the bitbanger port can you ultimus 3 will do that under nitrous 9 and then what was um lira i think has some midi support too for rs tos and there was a dedicated MIDI hardware card and software package for our stars as well. But there was multiple ways to do it. Yeah, what I'm asking is, um, so basically it treats the keyboard as a chip? Or... Well, there's a MIDI protocol yeah. you send. It has to be at a certain odd okay. baud rate. I think it's 31.25 kilobaud or something like that. Okay. And you just send MIDI commands to it. And what you can do depends on the synthesizer. There's <laughs> some synths you can do a lot more stuff than you can with others. I okay. think there is MIDI support in DriveWire also. Yes, there is. Um, and just talking about the retro challenge stuff, uh, Diego Barizo just put a yeah. um, message on the Facebook page showing uh, a short video of his uh, retro challenge entry that game he talked about last week, Hippo Teeth. So there's a video of that on uh, Facebook uh, now. And just a bit below that, uh, Al Hartman, who's on the show here today, has also put up a, uh, a diagram about the connections of a uh, printer to um, through the serial connection as well that we were talking about before. So, yeah, if you go, if you go to my page and at the top on the left it says Retro Challenge links, the second one down is uh, the current entrance list, and you can then link to other people's. Uh, All right, yep. Blog pages or their Twitter. But yeah. what surprise this this round? I don't know. Changes every. Uh, I don't think they have announced them yet, but. Uh, oh, okay. But you know, you don't do it for the prize; you do it for the fame and notoriety. No, but That's sometimes right. that little bit of extra incentive just to win some little retro bit of hardware or software or something kind of helps. And it aches me one. It's a boomerang slathered in Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a boomerang that you don't want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not coming back. <laughs> and we should all be working for the rewards we get at the Cocoa Fest. Yes. That's a neat thing. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, 
Anybody else have anything on closing? Ron, did you have anything to say? Promise. Yep, promise. You're done. Okay. All right. <laughs> we have beat this one to death. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the outro. Hi, this is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as The Stevie Throw Devil and The SD Pack. And you are watching Coco Talk in three, two, go. <laughs> I'm behind you making faces. Okay. <laughs> you, you have a You're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever the hell you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. <laughs> I can't even say it. Nation, world sweetie, weekly, any computer, something like that. All right, I'm soon playing dagger like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. <laughs> Thank you, David. Lad. Now get back up there for one second. Oh, jeez. What? What, what, what? Let's get some dry wire, TTL, no, ESP. No, we don't need any dry wire or TTL. <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Tech crew of people. Hi, we're on Belbo Timberman. I guess I'd to uh, experience Coco Fest. You must come. I brought the only working Pepsi tech. I could not get it. I could not get it. Bring it around. Ah, by certain someone you know. The world's leading weekly Coco Talk Show. Yeah, something like that. Hi, this is Rick Adams, and I'm the author of uh, Temple of Bronze, Shanghai, and now Bomb Right Man. You're listening to on Coco Talk. Eight slot MPI. You know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, uh, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time well guess what you just want oh over the four slot oh my gosh <laughs> just for you david just for you i am going to strangle you <laughs> not me this is what steve it's gave on me. every week we've been laughing at this people for weeks <laughs> very true <laughs> well, I've been busy with some other stuff. David, you need to come up with stuff. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to kill the stream here. See you guys next week. Thanks for, for tuning in, everybody. Over. Bye, everybody.